Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. A Conservative backbenchers revealed he spends up to an hour every morning in the bath just thinking about things. Tim Loughton's reported as telling a conference in Westminster one of the greatest causes of stress in the world was the invention of the shower. Morning, everybody. I don't do baths. I don't like baths, actually. They're sort of lying there. It's kind of, you know, in your own dirt. It's not really the sort of thing. Showers are much easier, much, much quicker. You can have a nice shower and you can... So I've got a seat in the shower, as you all know, and uh, I can sit there for days, days and days and days. It's lovely, actually. It just, it just keeps going. Years ago, it didn't because we used to have hot water tanks. And once you drain the hot water tank of all the hot water, it then went cold. Nowadays, of course, it's uh, it's constant with these combi boilers. Uh, the Daily Mail, way behind everybody else today. Yesterday, we did the uh, the policeman. Do you remember at the fun fair in the Dodgems? The Daily Mail do it today. Honestly, that editor's got to go. Uh, which IKEA decade drove you crazy? None of them, because I've never shopped there. I've been there once. That was quite enough, thank you very much indeed. Who killed Crime Watch? Um, you did. You did. You stopped watching it. It doesn't matter. They might have done some really good things, but to be honest with you, the programme is dated, old-fashioned, and uh, the police can't be bothered to do anything anyway. They just use the show. And it, it sort of worked. But now people have moved on, so they'll do a couple of specials a year, and that'll be that'll be it. They, they want to spend more money on, uh, what do they say? Dramas. And things like, oh, God, how boring. How boring. I'm not really into things like that at all. Uh, Daisy Lowe says she's aware of lesbian rumours. Oh, that's good. You're not that daft then, are you? I think we've already discussed this ages and ages ago. 15 million workers do not pay into a pension. You have to work till your 80s. Um, uh, Wills and Kate's joy at the April arrival. Little babby. Have a babby. We've got two babbies. Because they don't need to worry about whether you can afford to keep the thing because they've got loads of money. They've got houses all over the place. They get protection. They get everything at all. So, you know, they could have 20 children. Wouldn't make any difference. Wouldn't cost them any more. The BBC News host Simon McCoy doesn't share their thrill. We'll play you a little clip of him later. Don't worry, we'll do it later. Uh, incidentally, do not, do not, and I'm saying this to you now, and I mean it in a caring way, don't give up your seat for elderly people. You know, sometimes, you know, you're on the bus or you're on the train, elderly person gets on and they're sort of clink. Do not move. You sit there. You know why they're saying they need the exercise? It's very good exercise for them to rock backwards and forwards. I've never seen anybody fall over on any of these things anyway. Even on the buses, you know, when the drivers brake, 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 accelerate, brake, accelerate. But uh, no, so don't give up your seat for elderly people. That's the advice. I always think it's a bit rude not to, but they say you shouldn't do it. Uh, Poor Katie Price. Oh, God, help us, honestly. How many more dreary stories about this talentless old baggage? Uh, She was out doing a book signing. That'll be 2740th, I think. Uh, She hasn't written it. She doesn't write books. She can't. She doesn't have the gift. She just goes like story. Uh, Okay, like girl, big boobs, uh, buys a horse, meets a man at the stables, has sex, have children, and then rides off into the sunset. And that's that. Then she gives that, and somebody comes back with a book that they've written for her. She has ghosters. Uh, ten draws with no jackpot winner on the lottery rollover. It really has turned into a bit of a farce, hasn't it, the lottery now? They need to get their act together because they've screwed it up big time. Uh, also, uh, the £50,000. This is Jane Park, the attention-seeking, poor... Sa- even the Daily Star say the sad world of the lotto millionaire... Um, she won the money. She says, oh, I wish, you know, I hadn't won the money. And I think, well, shut up about it. Nobody cares about you. Anyway, she's now spent 50,000 quid. It's like taking candy from a baby, isn't it, really? Uh, on her boobs and her bum and her teeth. And uh, so she's had her boobs enlarged 
and her bum made bigger, although actually just sort of wait till about 13, it would have happened anyway. And she's had her, her teeth done as well. And so she's bagged a footballer. She's 21, but now looks about 50. He's 18 and hasn't played football in ages. In fact, I'll tell you who he is later. You, you've no, nobody's ever heard of him. He's some poor little child of 18 who's been snared by this dangerous woman. And uh, she's already met his parents, so it's obviously serious, isn't it, when you're 18? And uh, she's spent all this money. When you see the picture in the paper today, you'll die laughing. It's really bad. It's really bad. So I wish you hadn't won the money either. Um, what was the other one, actually? The other story uh, is Fern McCann. One of the columnists today has picked up on Fern McCann, droning on about, you know, her boring life. So she's got herself up the duff with some bloke who's currently uh, in court, which she can't talk about. He's protesting his innocence. And uh, one of the, the top columnists in the country has basically said... Why do you not, you know, do you not think maybe it's the time to keep your big trap shut? Nobody's interested in what you do or what you've done. You're just a very, very average person. You're not even a good presenter. They stick them on anything now. They go, oh, well, what do you do for a living? And they go, oh, I'm a presenter. And they go, are you really? Are you really? And you see them on the television. They can't present for toffee. And eventually they get found out and they kick them off there. And then you sort of end up like Frankie Kikosa where he has no career at all. I think he's a, a tiler or a slate layer or something. He certainly laid uh, Les Dawson's daughter, that's a fact. And anyway, she's now complaining that, in fact, uh, he's, he's trying to relaunch his career on her back. Or front. And I like using that line. It just makes me smile, actually. And, of course, I mean, she's, she's a real looker. Provided you're half blind and she puts a paper bag over her head. You know, she's, she's sort of one of those attention seekers. She looks like trash. She's, she's a bit like Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton used to tell the story and still tells the story in every show about how the, uh, the local town tramp used to sort of go around with sort of bright red lipstick and sort of eyelashes and hair back combed and all the rest of it. And she'd say to her mother, she said, I want to look like that. And her mother say, you don't want to look like that. She ain't nothing but trash. And Dolly went, that's what I decided I wanted to be. I wanted to be trash. And so she achieves it. She puts on loads of makeup. She sticks on the wigs and the hair pieces. And she does all that stuff. That's what poke berries are. I didn't know what poke berries were. They're sort of like berries which you squeeze and, uh, and you get the juice out. Then you can use it for sort of eyeshadow and, and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think we have them over here. Well, I don't think we do, anyway. Uh, Posh has shunned booze. She'll be back on it again. Because Dave's little uh, little friend he's been talking to, lady you've never heard of her before, Mary, uh, turns out to be one of those wild childs. She's obviously got an agent because yesterday it was he was just talking to her at Glastonbury. Well, it wasn't because he was talking to Victoria. But they obviously needed to link her into something. And as the Beckhams rarely say anything... Apart from when David was accused of that misdemeanour and they were threatening all sorts of things, which came to nothing. Uh, it's a case of she was there at Glastonbury. She knows Kate Moss. She knows loads of other people. And uh, so they obviously said to her, I mean, can we link you with anybody? Have you, have you, you know, Kate Moss is a bit dreary. And she'll probably go, I've spoken to David Beckham. And they go, that's it. Let's link you with David Beckham. So in most of the papers say there's a story on her, a story on her. Uh, she's just plain, dull, boring and obviously desperate to be somebody. So she is now the new celebrity of the moment. You know, you've seen all the other ones. This one's sort of a model. And because she's got a title and because she's a wild child, you know, um, apparently that makes it interesting. Dave, of course, just wanted to talk about milkshakes and how they could maybe get tattoos done together and they could sort of like be best buddies. And Victoria, who's now taken to chewing uh, coffee beans, coffee beans, you know, she's going through various fads and she stopped drinking. 
as I say, by the time she's seen some of the stories in the papers today that Dave's been linked to Lady Mary, which I think is a tenuous link, she'll be back on the booze again very quickly. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, a lot of actresses leading calls to unite after the sex scandal with Harvey Weinstein. Go to the LBC website, you could see part of my interview with Christian Slater from yesterday, where I ask him about Harvey Weinstein. And I also ask him about himself. I don't know how much of the interview is actually on there. Um, but we filmed Christian yesterday. Ever such a nice guy. Ever such a nice guy. But um, he's sort of... He's uh, talked about it. I asked him about sexual abuse allegations. And uh, he actually has talked about it very honestly. And I asked him about him as well. I asked him about him, whether or not he was ever on the receiving end of, uh, of somebody coming on to him. And the answer is yes. Yes. When he was 14 years old, he appeared in a film called The Invisible Boy. And uh, the film called, the, the, the director said, right, I want you to run. This girl's going to chase you and she's going to pull your pants down at the back. And he burst into tears. And, um, and he said, I don't want to do it. And the, and the producer said, well, you, you, you will have to do it because there is no clause in your contract. There is no... No nudity clause. You can take away the picture now. I know what I look like. Thank you. Now you know why I don't do television. <laughs> uh, not very often. Anyway, uh, you know, a couple of have I got news for you's booked in and things like that. And I might do news night. I don't know. I'll wait and see how I feel. And I might sort of just drop doing it. I don't know. Anything. Uh, porn supremacy gets better exchange rates from brokers. This is porn, P-A-W-N. Producer thought it was P-O-R-N. All of a sudden, there was a slight bit of excitement, and I said, "Porn supremacy gets better exchange rates from brokers." You know, and I don't know what he was saying into it. But anyway, no, it's it's people who go on holiday and you change your money up. We all do it at the airport. Years ago, they wrote it in the back of your passport. They went, you know, twenty pounds changed up, and you got so many, you know, pesetas and stuff like that. And you'd be looking at all this foreign money which you'd never seen before. When we were children, we'd never seen money like that. All good stuff. Um, the man who's choked to death on a on a Greg's pasty. And it's, I don't know whether it's specific to Greg's, but it turned out to be one that he had bought from there. And former stars recall 45 years of Emmerdale. Because I love it. It used to be Emmerdale Farm. And I thought it was great. I loved it. Annie Sugden's Kitchen. All the people on there. It's very interesting looking back at the pictures because I, I remember so many of them. So many of the, so many of the characters. I wish they'd bring them back. Uh, Daisy the Bore Low. Uh, she says, I'm aware of the lesbian rumours. Well, I should imagine so, because let's face it, before this came out, you were just Daisy Lowe again. Then all of a sudden, there's loads of, of interest in you. So you've got to capitalise quickly, because nobody's interested in you, to be honest with you, apart from the link with Louise. And I asked the question the other day, are they a lesbian relationship? Are they an item? What is it? And she says, I'm aware of the rumours. But And she didn't go any further than that. She refers to Louise as the wife. Very odd, isn't it? Anyway, also, the I do like the Daily Star's line, though, on the sad world of the teen lotto millionaire. Poor old Jane Park. I say, if you saw some of the pictures, you'll be sort of... You'd be worried for her sanity, I think, because she's obviously slightly deranged. Uh, showtime for Scarlet. Apparently, Scarlet Moffat could be on the verge of launching a West End career. She's jetting to Australia to host I'm a Celebrity spin-off, Extra Camp... But she aims to land a role in a major musical when she returns in December. She says, oh, right, she's not doing it at all. She just said, I'd like to get a part in a West End musical. She said, uh, I play Belle in Beauty and the Beast. I don't think you'll find the show's on, dear. I mean, it's very sweet of you to be a little bit backwards in coming forward. Nobody's interested in you. Also, Belle's, Belle's thin. 
And, you know, we don't want a hefty hideaway bell, do we? That would be ridiculous. And also your Geordie. You know, unless you can sing without... You know, you just watch television, dear. You don't have any talent. I don't want to be rude about it, but, you know, your talent is uh, way eight, Geordie, sitting on sofa, watching it and using uh, bad language. And that's and that's it. You don't have any talent. Don't 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 miss don't miss the whole thing, love. And I'm trying to be trying to be kind about it. But Beauty and the Beast is not on in the West End, so there's no chance you being in there. And also, the, the costume only fits people half your size. Okay, just I'm saying it now. I don't want to make a big deal and push you towards a diet, but it might be helpful because I've noticed the weight started going back on again. And you know, television it's very unforgiving. Television makes people look fat. Why do I do, why do I not do television? I look even bigger on television. You know, I'm really a bit sylph-like. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. And when you go to Old Vegas, then you can go there. You can have a drink and you dance. They've got a zip wire that goes down the middle. Okay. So have you done the zip wire before? No. You'll love it. Put new pants on, I tell you, because it, like, rockets down and everybody stands underneath and waves. Two pants, got it. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. You'll like it. He's going to Vegas. Going to Vegas. Next week he's going to Vegas, staying in a couple of nice hotels. But it's, he's never been before. So if you've never been to Las Vegas, it is, it is Lost Wages, Nevada. You know, to, to not gamble would be an achievement. You know, but if, if you are of a, uh, an inclination to, uh, to wager a few pennies and things, this will be the place to go to. This will be the place. I loved it. I thought it was great. As long as you stay away from the hens and the stag parties, because they're a bit trashy. Uh, you just go there and you have a, you have a, a nice time. Go and see a show. Go and see a Vegas show. Go and pick a typical Vegas show and you will absolutely love it. Crime Watch started in the 1980s. All very exciting. Apart from Shaw Taylor's programme, the concept was new. Yeah, now, Dean, they've just... They've decided to, uh, to, axe, to axe it. I think because the public are not watching it anymore. I don't know why. I think perhaps the public... And I have to include myself in it. I mean, I, I don't watch it. I don't watch it. I'm, I'm not, it's not one of those things. Because there's now so many television channels. You know, sometimes I, I watch something, then it goes to an ad break. Immediately, I'm ten channels away from it. So I don't know. Uh, Kim says, thank you for keeping me company while in hospital. They say that laughter is the best medicine. I've certainly had many laughs. I got a letter from a lady the other day who's, uh, who's had breast cancer. And she's recovering from breast cancer. She says, I just want to tell you, she said, you've kind of got me through breast cancer. The amount of letters I get from people saying it's a bit like Steve Allen's on the NHS. Because it's it's not much fun. If you're lying in bed and you're sort of lying there and you're thinking, oh, God, how much longer? You know, then all of a sudden a nurse comes in, has to take some blood and they have to do this. And you think, oh, God, I just want to go home. At least this this, this programme is, uh, is a little bit of a little bit of respite, I think. But no, so Crime, crime Watch will go... And will anybody miss it? No. Apart from all the team who've worked on it for 33 years. You know, if you've worked on a programme like that, and you've, it's like when they axe last the summer wine. It's like when they axe the bill. Why do they axe things that the public like? Obviously not enough of the public like certain things. So that's, that's why it becomes all, all a bit tedious, doesn't it? And you think, just, I mean, I thought that they should never axe the bill. Why? Because they're showing, showing all the old bills. So they obviously think it's worthwhile showing. It's like when you watch old comedy programs. I'm still watching On the Buses. They're still showing On the Buses with Olive. But i tell you what I watched the other day. i tell you what I watched the other day. In the light of Harvey Weinstein. And I should have actually brought in the CD to play on the programme. Because the programme starts, as always, with the lift announcement. You know, third floor, haberdashery, wigs, blah, blah, blah. And in comes Mrs Slocum. Mrs Slocum comes in and uh, she can't get her coat off. And so one of the blokes helps her. Uh, standing in the middle is the is the shop floor walker, 
whose name I can't remember at the moment. But anyway, um, and then in comes Miss Brahms. And Miss Brahms is a little bit frustrated. She said, I'm sorry I'm late. She said, but um, I was being given a lift in a car and the person tried it on with me in the car and I couldn't get out because they locked the doors and I've left my umbrella in the car. And so he went, well, that's outrageous. Somebody, somebody tried it. This is how, this is a comedy programme. This is how a comedy programme started. Because I was listening to it thinking, oh, I must play that back on the programme. And, um, and she says, yes, this, this person tried it on with me and all the rest of it. And, um, and so he said, well, this is outrageous. I think it's Captain Peacock. We must call the police. We must get the police involved with this completely. And then the lift door opens and out comes the owner of the shop. The older Mr Grace. He comes down, he's holding an umbrella. And he goes, uh, you've left your umbrella in my car. And in between that, Captain Peacock has said, I need to check with you that I can call the police over a matter. And then Captain Peacock, because he said, oh, what, what, uh, this, this uh, police thing, what, what is it about the police thing? He said, oh, nothing, nothing at all. So Miss Brahms takes the umbrella when old Mr Grace has gone and she says, typical, there's one law for the rich and one law for the poor. And she was basically going to accuse him of sexual harassment in the car. And in fact, he says on the thing, he says, you know, some people are very nice and some people don't do what they're supposed to do. And you think that's sexual harassment. But they turned it into a comedy in that there was no chance she was ever going to take the boss of the store to court because that's her job on the line. And that's why it comes back to Harvey Weinstein, because we joked about it. James O'Brien said the other day, when can you... They were talking about James Corden and saying, when, when can you ever joke about rape? Because somebody had said, you know, what he said wasn't particularly funny. It was not particularly interesting. I think you'll find that um, Richard Madeley made jokes about it as well. You know, what is, it you, what is it you're not allowed to make jokes about nowadays? And the answer is, there's probably loads of, loads of things. But anyway... Uh, this this bloke uh, sort of said, well, you know, I didn't think it was very funny, but I didn't have a, a problem with it, as some people did. It was like, do you remember yesterday we had the Halloween costume and it was somebody, it was a burnt costume, and they said, that's an insult to Grenfell. And he went, what? That's like somebody wearing a sailor outfit and going, I think you'll find that anti-people who lost their lives on the Titanic. You know, I'm wearing a Red Indian outfit. Ah, right. Battle of the Little Big Horn. That's what it is. Your anti... It was so stupid as to be laughable. Really. Nobody makes a Halloween costume in the light of a disaster or a tragedy happening. It's as simple as that. So when you get these people linking things together, you begin to wonder what sad world they're inhabiting. This was just a Halloween thing. You might as well watch Michael Jackson's thriller video. Dum, dum, dum. where they all come towards you, you know, costumes which are burnt and everything else. Was that also insulting to Grenfell? No, of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. These uh, Halloween costumes would have been made for months. Months and months and months. They don't just sort of make them the week before. They're made in factories, you know, abroad, and people buy them. It's mainly children who buy them. Adults don't buy them. Although I seem to remember last year when I came in, there were people wandering around in Halloween costumes. Slightly, slightly odd, you know, but they go, I don't doesn't, doesn't really bother me if somebody wants to dress up as, as some strange character. I always think that they look like people who've been in the Michael Jackson videos. And, uh, and I'm never wrong, actually. Steve, if Scarlett Moffat's going to be in Beauty and the Beast, if she ain't playing Belle, surely she's perfect for the other part. That is so cruel. She can't play Mrs Potts. It's, she's not old enough to play Mrs Potts, is she? But also, it's, it's the fact she said, oh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, I'd like to play in that. And I thought, it's not in the West End, dear. And also, with, with what talent do you think you have? Just because people ask you for your thoughts and they do a, a sort of a story about you in a newspaper, that doesn't mean to say you've got any talent. All it means is that you're sort of the latest little darling. You just sat on a sofa, dear, with your potty mouth, 
talking about a television programme. That, that means you don't have any talent. I don't want to break it to you. You know, do you think she'd sing in a... Jo- I don't know. People tend not to sing in accents, do they? Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Imagine the Beast going, uh, kind of changed my mind, actually, on this one. I'd rather not. I'm not going to change into somebody attractive. I'm going to stay as the Beast and I'm not going to go with you. All right, there you go. And then she goes, oh. It's like there was a piece about Gemma Collins in the Mail Online and they were saying she's been offered this, uh, this dinner dates programme, celebrity dinner dates, and you thought she must be scraping the barrel with that career by now. Dear God in heaven. To go on that programme means that not only can you not find anybody, but you're so desperately unattractive that nobody's interested. And then they said, of course, she's on a roll at the moment. I thought, of course, she's on a roll. Look at the size of her. What else could she do? And uh, they were sort of saying, oh, because they might want her for I'm a celebrity again. You think, well, she spends most of it. They say she's a bit of a role model. I thought, for whom? For whom is she a role model? All she does is cry. She's a a complete disaster for a 36-year-old woman. It's a bit sad that in four years' time she's going to be 40, which means she's more than halfway through her life. There's no chance she's going to live to sort of 80, is there really? I wouldn't have thought so. But they sort of go, and loads of people are interested in putting on their shows. Every show I've ever seen her on, she knows nothing. I mean, she really doesn't know anything, to the point of, you know, three-year-olds know more than she does. And so they put her on there thinking she's going to be funny and witty. She was never funny and witty on TOWIE. Never funny and witty, and obviously she needs the money. A little bit like poor Katie Price, who doesn't really have the money that people think she has, and, you know, and isn't selling the volume of books. The autobiographies do well, but again, she doesn't write anything. She cannot write. She has an inability to write. But she's determined to destroy this bloke from Love Island, you know, because he dared to turn her down. But as I say, what would you rather go with? You know, somebody dressed up as a monster from Thriller or Katie Price. The answer is the monster from Thriller gets hands down every single time. Uh, They were doing Bake Off the other day. The oven door fell off. I'm bored with Bake Off. I know it's not fashionable to say that, but I couldn't really give a stuff about people baking in the kitchen. I, I, I mean, I really couldn't care less. It's bad enough turning on QVC and finding sort of various people that or ideal world where they have a presenter on it. I mean, he grows a beard one day, then he takes a beard off. Then he grows a beard, then he takes it off. Grows a beard, takes it off. I mean, he's as camp as a little Christmas tree. And obviously northern folk, and for that, I don't even know where, they, where, nor, where ideal world comes from, but they get the oddest clothes. They get the oddest clothes. I was looking at him the other day. He was wearing something. He was getting very excited about some cheap skin cream that they've been flogging on there. You know, six items for 40 quid or something. And you think if they're selling it for 40 quid, that's more than 100% profit. Easy. That means it costs 20 quid to produce. Then by the time you've taken off the packaging and the profit, you're looking at something that is so cheap. You know, you really wouldn't want to sort of put it anywhere near your skin. But they're apparently they've been selling it for years and years. Well, they're based in Peterborough, are they? Oh, right. North Cambridge. Oh, North Cambridgeshire. We know all about North Cambridgeshire. It's got dreadful crime rate, hasn't it? Dreadful crime rate. Uh, so I, was, I sort of watch that. I watch all of these programmes. I love watching them. The worst ones are the jewellery programmes where they're sort of flogging some tat. That they sort of, then they show you a picture of some sort of happy little white man dealing with native people who are digging up, you know, emeralds and diamonds and all the rest of it. And you know it's a pile of old crock of something. And, um, and then people buy it. And you look at it and you go, God, that's tat. That really is that. But they chuck in all the big words, you know, like all the big manufacturers. And this is this is like that. And this and you'll never get anything like this ever again. 1999. And you think because it's rubbish, <laughs> it's rubbish. But uh, a lot of other people. Little Julie. No, I am not. I've already said no. Well, I've told them no, but uh, it probably won't be uh, sort of doing it. So I, I don't know who's actually going to be doing it this year. I don't know. They generally get... T- I can't remember when the lights get turned on in uh, Twickenham. Problem with Crime Watch is its name. Sounds like a community programme. Needs something more exciting like 
Hunt the nasty people, says Catherine. Yeah, let's catch the crooks. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Because, you know, I don't... Yeah, crime watch. Because that, that implies that we are just watching people committing crimes. Which, of course, is how it is in New Zealand. Where you now get all the mouthy little boys and girls in New Zealand get out the car, stopped by the police. And they start filming the police on their phones. Going, see how you like it. And you think... That's when tasers come in. You know, really. And they asked one of the blokes, they said, uh, one of the girls, because obviously New Zealand girls are very loose when they've had a few drinks. This particular one gets out of the car and she says to the copper, because she's been drinking, she says, "Um, are you single? And he looks at her, he goes, I'm married. And she goes, oh dear. And I thought, is that how they, honestly, I thought we we were supposed to be respectful to people. Well, is that how it's supposed to work? Obviously not over in New Zealand. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Ian says, if there's a new series of Benefit Street, Steve, will it be called Universal Credit Street? Probably. I think we've given... Do you not think that we've had enough of those sort of programmes? I think we've now got a bit bored with people on benefits who don't really do anything and just smoke and drink themselves to death. And, uh, and then they go, oh, look, so-and-so. Do you remember that, uh, was it White D, who thought she was some sort of celebrity? And it turned out she was as boring as hell. James O'Brien had to do a programme in which she featured on it. I thought that was a wee bit sad, a little bit tragic there, because I think it's those... I, I can't really describe what sort of programmes they are. It's sort of... It's fly-on-the-wall things. You know, the uh, the couple who are having sex in the Domino's pizza place, they go to court. I mean, I think we know what they are. They're just trash. People who want to have sex in a pub. While they're coming in, picking up deliveries and everything else. Anyway, they go to court, they come outside, and he says to the photographer... He uses the F word to the photographers... And you look at him and you think, you look like somebody off the Jeremy Kyle show. You look like one of those low-life people. You know, people who've got no respect for anybody whatsoever. But apparently they like to have sex in different places. You know, <laughs> there's not really a lot you could say, is there, after people like that. Because they're, they're, they're too thick to understand what is an affront to public decency. And so they didn't. And there's a picture of her. And uh, as I say, and then when you see her with her jacket off, she's covered in tattoos. He just looks like a Neanderthal. I don't know what he does. His name's Craig Smith. Uh, They had sex in Domino's Pizza in Scarborough. They've given them community orders uh, monitored by electronic tags. The chairman of the bench says you were both very close to going to prison, which actually I don't think would solve anything at all. I mean, obviously both, you know, it was a brazen offence. The magistrates watch uh, 10 minutes of the footage, pick up a few hints, I suppose, showing the pair's activities in, uh, in Domino's. And then they've got a picture of them posing outside Domino's. They ordered food. There's a picture of them sort of, you know, holding boxes. Like, like, and you think... And then she, she performed an act on him. Then they had sex. And um, Hurst, who, who lives in Gypsy Road, Bridlington, pleaded guilty to outraging public decency. She's a bit rough. She's uh, she's 29, he's 31, and they've been going out for, I don't know, but, I mean, she does look like that. She's got the word, easy, written all over her. I mean, who has sex in a Domino's? I mean, Pizza Express, I could understand, but not really Domino's. But uh, he's been ordered to do, what is it she's been ordered to do? 200 hours of, uh, of unpaid work. So they've got a curfew between 7pm and 7am for 23 weeks, wearing a tag, and they've got to perform a rehabilitation activity requirement. What does that mean? They can't see each other at night. Apparently, deep embarrassment there, their solicitor added. Yeah, right. Do me a favour. Do me a favour. You can only imagine the deep embarrassment of being in their position. It was essentially a drunken night in which they got a bit rowdy. They didn't get rowdy at all. They just had sex in somebody's shop. That's not rowdy. Also, he committed the offence whilst on licence. 
uh, after being released from prison sentences, totalling 15 months. He left the court clearly unhappy. What a what, a, what a, an ace buffoon. What an ace buffoon. I hope this programme reaches you, girly boy. Goodness sake, honestly. So, 50 months for violence. Ugh, dear, honestly. Trailer trash. That's all it is. But th- they didn't go to prison, so that was probably... They're probably a bit bored with saying, Oh, look, Mr Smith, here you are again. Uh, welcome to prison for the umpteenth time. It's ridiculous, isn't it, these people? But you see them in the papers. I was, I was desperately worried that the next time round, they were, they were sort of going to be sort of hailed as celebrities. Because we get people like that. You know, you get white D, every foul word under the sun. And the next thing, she's sitting on the Today Pro... Not the Today Pro, but sorry, on This Morning and stuff like that. And you think, who is she? She's nobody. Luckily, she's gone back to where she came from. Obscurity. Talking of old TV programmes, I think uh, we need to bring back Wish You Were Here, says Mark. You could be the next Judith Chalmers. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. I don't, we don't need to bring back Wish You Were Here. That's why we got the internet. The only reason we had Wish You Were Here is because Judith went round the world and showed us some of these marvellous places and showed us, you know, Torre Melinos and uh, Payer and you can have Sangria and you can have all sorts of go to bullfighting, go to a barbecue, do all the, all the rough things that the Spanish don't have anything to do with. You seriously don't believe that the Spanish ever went to those barbecues? Well, you all turn up in a huge hall. I mean, it's enormous. It held about 2,000 people. And they bring jugs of cheap, rubbish wine. And the people who are getting drunk. And then they've got a thing where you try and drink it out of this long, tall glass thing. Then they bring rubbish food. And we all go, oh, is that what they do in Spain? No, of course they don't. Spanish are having a laugh at you. So uh, that's it. That's why we don't need the programme back again. Because you've got the internet. You've got what they call the truth side of the internet. So if you want to check on a, a particular... Th- you can watch it. You can go to Google Maps and all these other things and you can find pictures of your hotel. You can check on what other people have said about it. It's so much easier now. But, we, you know, I quite enjoyed it. I was, I was good at watching programmes like that. Good old Judith Chalmers, which was good, wasn't it? Uh, Porn Supremacy, I'll tell you about as well a little bit later on. But getting better exchange rates from brokers than you do at the, at the places who are supposed to give you the best exchange rates, but I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Uh, Colleen, off on holiday again. Amber warning, amber warning. He'll go out drinking, he'll go out drinking. Be careful. You can't leave him by himself. He's got no friends. Nobody wants to go out with him because he's a bore. He, he can only talk to women when he's had a few drinks. And then he gets in their cars, and then they, they try and become famous on the back of him, going, oh, yeah, well, had I stayed in the car, we would have had sex. And you think, thank God the police stopped them. Thank God the police stopped them. I uh, heard you talking about Emmerdale earlier. I'm a, a taxi driver in Leeds. By coincidence, a few hours earlier, I picked up Steve Halliwell, who played Zach Dingle. Who plays Zach Dingle. A nicer bloke you couldn't wish to meet. I love Emmerdale. I've, I've sort of watched it over the years. I liked, uh, I liked the two gay guys who ran the, the Woolpack. Well... We were never sure that they were gay, but I think it was unwritten. Nay, nay, Mr Wilkes, goes Amos Brearley. And uh, I thought they were just a gay couple. You know what I think so? No, just me again. As usual, as usual. I always get these things wrong. Always get them wrong. Uh, other stories running in the papers for day. There's a great picture in the mirror of a huge iceberg. You know that uh, you see an iceberg on top of the water. Two thirds of it is underneath the water. And this is e enormous. In fact, they have divers next to it. They're little tiny pinpricks. It's so big. It was, uh, it's really lovely, lovely pictures. Also, a third of workers will have to work until they drop. Millions could struggle to retire, many failing to pay into a pension. I pay into a pension. I think I pay into two pensions, actually. So I'm so, But I'm, I don't want any intention of retiring. Who wants to retire? You know, when you're having a good time and you're enjoying something... 
then uh, who wants to retire? Some people retire, don't they? They're very good at going, you know, I want to work until I'm 65 and then I'm going to retire. And I'm thinking, oh, don't, don't, why would you want to retire? You know, what would I, if I retired, what would I do? I'd have to sort of turn to modelling clay or something like that or doing pictures of Twickenham and selling them to sort of tourists. Or so. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. I've never thought about it, really. Never thought, open a small tea shop. Uh, fans used to ask if they could borrow Joe's lucky love rug for the weekend because all the people in there. Joe Sugden was great, and uh, he's pictured here uh, at the studios with uh, Melandra. I love it. I thought it was really good when they all got married, and uh, she made. Uh, I think Melandra wed Ian Sharrock. Where are these people now? Where are they, where do they go to? Is their life after soap? Probably not. Probably not. But uh, I wish there was. I wish there was. Because some of these people, you could bring them back. It's like whenever they put people into into EastEnders. And they used to say EastEnders is very realistic. And you think, well, it can't be. Because they, 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 they put celebrities in there. And nobody's gone, Shane Ritchie. Shane Ritchie. No, he's Alfie Moon. Ish. Yeah. What's the bloke in Spandau Ballet doing over there? Hi. Hiya. This is Shane, this is Shane Ritchie. No, Alfie Moon. What, has he changed his name? Have you, do you still do the dad's doorstep chat? Oh, yeah, what is going on? Why don't these people recognise anybody? Haven't they ever seen television? Haven't they ever seen a television programme? Do you think that they could maybe look at it once every so often and discover that some of the... This is Barbara Windsor. That's ba- Barbara. Barbara's here. They go, no, it's not. Get out of my pub. Actually, I watched back the other day. I watched um, Barbara and Cilla Black... And Paul O'Grady doing the Royal Variety performance with You've Got to Get a Gimmick from Gypsy. And uh, it was really good. It was really, really good. But it's true, though, isn't it? Nobody recognises anybody. Nobody recognises anybody. You know, somebody wanders into Hollyoaks. Oh, admittedly, most of them are... You don't, you don't know anybody in Hollyoaks. But occasionally you get somebody famous in there and they go, Do I know you? I want somebody to do that one time. Then they can film it for Chris... Are you... You're known, aren't you? Were you in sort of, you know... One half of Jedward or something like that. Where do they go to? Where do they go to, Jedward? What, what has ever happened to Jedward? I think after they were dropped by uh, Louis Walsh, their career disappeared, mainly because they were bloody irritating. <laughs> That's what everybody thought, didn't they? Everybody said exactly the same things. Jedward, when they first started off, I remember them jumping onto the stage and, um, and they're going, Hey, everybody, hey, we're Jedward, we're Jedward. And, and you could see everybody looking at them going, What in God's name is that? They were all very excitable. And uh, then it turned out that they weren't the full ticket, to put it politely. They weren't actually there. They had to sort of say, to just calm down. Calm down, you'll be all right. And Jedward, you know, and they, they turned up everywhere in their funny little outfits. Then they put them on the television. Then they sort of did a half-naked video. Then it turned out they sort of shared baths in the Big Brother house together. That's even more bizarre. And, um, and then people started saying, I don't think they're ever going to get a girlfriend, are they? I don't think that's, uh, that's, that's going to happen imminently. Uh, David says, loving the show. Just wanted to send a get well soon message to a new listener called Phil who's in hospital in Sunderland. Oh, God, that's like a death wish, isn't it? Where are you in hospital, Sunderland? Oh, God. <laughs> Depends what he's in hospital for, actually. Depends what he's in hospital for. I like, I'm getting quite used to hospitals now. I don't have a fear of hospitals, which I, I probably might have had some time ago. Now I, I've sort of... I spend much time going in and out and having things done and different procedures. I don't, I don't actually... I've got my own parking space, practically. Dr. Allen, thank you. I've got a little sign that I put there. Parking reserved for Dr. Allen. <laughs> I like that idea. Who's our page three girl today? Woo, hold yourself back. 
Hold yourself back. Page three favourite, Rianne Sugden. Oh, hello. You remember Rianne? She's the desperate one who'll latch on to any old celebrity. But uh, she's got a, a 2018 calendar. She's an ex-glamour girl. Oh, how embarrassing being an ex-glamour girl, Rianne. What do you do now? But apparently, uh, she gave up topless work in April, but fans get to see her boobs in her calendar called greatcalendars.com forward slash Rianne. And it's £13.99 if you want to see her boobs. There you go. So she's actually not giving it up at all, really. It's just a blatant lie. Another lie from poor old Rianne Sugden. They go, she's here to stay. I do hope not. I do hope not. We're a bit bored with her, really. Uh, also, what was the other one? Oh, there's, it's more on new claims on Weinstein. There's more people who are sort of coming out. There's also a young man who is stabbed to death. Moped thugs killed a young man for his telephone. I think they've got to stop this. I think none of this uh, codswallop they're giving us about. The police have been told not to chase them in case they have an accident. I, I hope the police run them over. I hope the police run them over. I'm sorry, I can't, uh, I can't say anything else on it. It just drives me mad. We pussyfoot around people. This bloke was stabbed to death for his phone. Stabbed to death for a phone that probably cost two or three hundred quid. Let's bring back hanging, shall we? Make it so much easier. Uh, Wayne Rooney will be home alone, you know, after his wife booked another family holiday. That's all she does, isn't it, really? He must be the most boring person, most boring wife. All you do is you stay at home, you have sex, you then get pregnant, then you go off on holiday again. What a strange relationship you must have. But apparently she's taking her three sons to Barbados. This is her seventh holiday this year. Now, as I've said before, it's got diddly squat to do with you, diddly squat to do with me. But do not complain, Colleen, if he goes and plays away. All right? I'm just telling you now. Don't complain because he gets bored. And, uh, you know, do you not think maybe you could find something to do at home? Cleaning? Learning to cook? Cutting the grass? Taking the children to play group? You know, again, not my business. But, you know, don't don't give us this codswallop about, you know, I'm trying to save my marriage and all the rest of it, because basically I don't think you care. Basically, I don't think either of them care. But uh, they say, what could possibly go wrong while she's on holiday? <laughs> Watch this space. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I texted earlier on, or tweeted earlier on, about, you know, how cold it is in London. And Phil Lavelle, who's uh, a Los Angeles correspondent... Uh, he's worked for loads of people. He's based in uh, California, actually. Los Angeles, California. He said it was about 30-something degrees over there. And I think, oh, God. I hate stuff like that. Oh, they found, incidentally, um, Anne Cameron. Do you remember Anne Cameron disappeared? Uh, she was a, a dementia sufferer. Uh, this is in uh, Port Douglas in Queensland, Australia. They found her in the stomach of a crocodile. They thought she'd been taken by a crocodile because they found her stick uh, near the reptile's lair. She wandered out of her care home. And we've had these cases before where these crocodiles, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're 79 or 29 or 14. It doesn't make any difference at all. They just they shoot out of the water so fast. They literally lie there immobile for ages and ages. And it grabbed her. And they found remains of her. Uh, they've also uh, this has now led to calls for a cull. After two other deaths this year. But uh, to be honest with you, even her son has said they're not responsible for being crocodiles and doing what crocodiles do. Exactly. Why should something be killed for doing what it does? It's not the crocodile's fault that somebody wanders near it with dementia. It's up to the home where she is. They're called care homes. Quite clearly, there was no care for her because otherwise they would have made sure that she couldn't, couldn't have gone wandering off round to a place where they've got crocodiles. 
these things, I mean, this, this is actually quite a... This is 14 feet long, this crocodile. Have you ever seen crocodiles? They, uh, they shoot out of the water at such a rate. You've seen them when they do the wildebeest stuff. So you can only imagine that poor, uh, poor Anne, 79, didn't, uh, didn't sound a cat in hell's chance. Dreadful, isn't it, really? Jane Moore's column today, uh, talking about all sorts of things, actually, including uh, Sean Hughes. Uh, and also, she said, no one is to blame for Harvey Weinstein's alleged crimes other than a man himself. She says, but I feel troubled by a familiar thread running through so many of the stories about his sexual predatory behaviour. Many of the women who went to his hotel suite for a meeting say they did so because it was suggested by various female members of his staff whose presence made them feel safe. Then they would leave. Did they know what was likely to happen? Maybe not. Did they at least suspect it? How could they not? So even if, understandably, they lacked the courage to challenge Weinstein himself, one wonders why they didn't find the words or even a look to warn the alleged victims that they were about to place themselves in danger. But exactly the same as I said the other week. Surely, if people knew about this, if people knew that he had a reputation for trying it on with people. But, I, you know, trying it on and sexually harassing somebody are probably two completely different things. Trying it on is, uh, you know, a dinner party, loads of people, you have a few sort of bevies, and you become you become emboldened, don't you? You know, once you've got the drink inside you, you then you can do anything. You're invincible. Invincible. Then you sort of go, uh, hi, so um, do, you want to, do you want to go to show next week or something like that? And somebody either goes yes or they go no. It's like that old adage i remember some friends of mine telling me that they they were in a pub one new year's eve years and years ago and everybody that came up and chatted to them um they they sort of just were very polite and all the rest of it until they started getting people saying at the end of the night oh uh, do you want to come back for a cup of coffee they always used to say cup of coffee they said we, we could have drunk loads of coffee and so they then started saying to the, these people they said sorry do you mean a cup of coffee or sex and they said oh well, actually i mean sex they went no thank you you know, that's what's, you know, but people, if you go back to somebody's house, you know, and you don't have somebody there to sort of look after your back or something like that, there is a danger somebody's going to try it on with you. If you pick somebody up in a bar in London or Scotland or Manchester or Birmingham or St Ives or wherever it happens to be, and you go, do you want to come back? You're hoping they're going to put out. That's the whole idea. You're not inviting them back so they can look at your lovely furniture and, and a sort of an art picture that you drew in classes years ago. You're expecting them to come back and you go, uh, what would you like to drink? And they go, uh, I thought you said coffee. And then after they drank the coffee, they go, OK, it's great. Uh, do you want me to get me a cab? And you go, what, you're going? Well, we haven't done anything yet. And that then becomes sort of sexual harassment. But surely people can't be that naive. You know the signs. You must know the signs. You know, somebody goes, uh, so you want to go? I watch it on dinner dates. On dinner dates, you know, these, these poor, sad creatures sit there. You know, the idea of Gemma Collins, I mean, the person who picks her is going to be really unlucky because you're suddenly going to realise she's got nothing to talk about at all. She hasn't done anything. She hasn't done anything at all. She's just desperate, and we know she's desperate because she's told us she's desperate to get pregnant. That's all it is. She just wants to get pregnant and have Babby, and, uh, and then she can be like all the other people in TOWIE. But unfortunately, all the other people in TOWIE aren't remotely interested in Gemma. And so where she goes from here, I've got no idea. 36 now, then 37, and then you jump to 40. And that's it. You're then on the downward slide, aren't you, at 40? If you don't have somebody by the time you're at 40, not looking promising. Chloe Sims, 
not looking promising. Because they don't make any effort to help themselves. They think that the public like them because magazines do a feature spread on them. So the public like them. Did you read the other day, the girl who does Country File, Ellie Harrison, is coming off social media because she's sick to death of them asking about her looks. Um, as opposed to asking her about the countryside. And I'm looking at her going, why would they ask you about the countryside? <laughs> They're going to ask you about your looks. You know, the fact that she's married with three children, whereas she looks about 16. But it's a case of, why don't you just be quiet? Nobody's interested, you know. If you sort of start saying things like that, you're going to get people. She says, I don't want people asking me things that are going to ruin my day. She's a bit twee, a little bit twee. I used to I used to quite like her, and now I just find her a little bit twee. And twee is, is not necessarily a, a, a great thing to be on the programme. I like the programme. I think the programme's good. I like the idea of the countryside and nature and all that kind of thing. I just wonder why it takes so many blooming presenters to make it. And then I suddenly realise, of course, it's the BBC. That's called Waste Your Money. That's what it does. It wastes money. You know, why actually have two people on a programme? Well, you can have 12. You know, they're all making different films and stuff like that. And so that's what it... Well, why don't you do something different? Uh, Steve, listening uh, this morning, says Ian, live. Hope you're enjoying the showers. We haven't had any. What, you mean the rain? Oh, the, sh- oh, the showers, the shower showers. Yes. Oh, yes, fine. Thank you very much indeed. The fly on the wall in the doctor's surgery is another NAF programme says Tony. I think I might have seen it. I think I might have seen it when people go into a doctor's surgery and they start talking about their uh, illnesses and everything else. (laughs) And it's like 24 hours in A&E. I don't really want to watch that. Every time they watch them giving blood or taking blood, oh, I have to look away. Makes me go all queasy, I'm afraid. I'm not not very good with things like that. Uh, So I have seen a little bit of it. Uh, Steve, I was listening to the news bulletin. I really do think MI5 shouldn't be letting the public know they're finding it hard to foil terror attacks. Well, listen, we know everything else. We even know where MI5 is based, or MI6. We know where they are. You can, I can point their building out. Now I go down on the embankment and go, it's over there. It's where the duck tours go, right next to it. I don't know what they do in there. I've got, it's a huge building. It's absolutely enormous. It moved from over the river. And, uh, and you think, think to yourself, you know, that, that's where all our spies are. Oh, very excited. They're probably tapping into this programme at the moment. We think Steve Allen could be a spy. <sighs> scary stuff. Scary stuff. Coming up uh, very shortly, the news at five o'clock this morning. It's Wednesday, the 18th of October. Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. So don't give up your seat for elderly people on the buses. And you're thinking, but that's really harsh, Steve. Nope. that's what the experts are saying. Don't do it. It gives them exercise. No point in watching somebody get on the bus and then sort of sitting down. And that's all they do. No, make them hang on to a pole or something and jog backwards and forwards. Not when I say hang on to a pole, I don't mean pole dancing or something like that. Uh, the oven doors come off in Bake Off. The fury at the Lotto rollovers. Ten draws with no jackpot winner. Uh, the Daily Mail way behind. I mean, some of their stories are so out of date, really. The MI5 chief tells the web giants stop aiding terrorist. Uh, Sarah Vine, the columnist, says a clumsy pass over dinner is not sexual harassment and don't get drunk in front of your kids. It could harm them. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Wednesday, 18th of October. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Uh, All the papers, all your texts, all your emails, all the stories that matter. Uh, and all the stupid people in the paper, of which there are a number this morning, including the Daily Mail, who prints a picture of some people at uh, at a park. I think it's actually called Woolerton Park. Um, it has around 200 deer. And what they've said is, uh, do not get close to deer because they're dangerous. They're wild animals. 
And what they've got is a bunch of some of the dumbest people you've ever seen in your life within a matter of feet. And when I say feet, probably two or three feet in front of a, of a deer. This is a, a huge, fully grown male with antlers. And it's fully grown antlers and people are posing with it. This thing could kill you. There is no two ways about it. They have killed before. Uh, there was somebody who got... Uh, uh, they were in Richmond Park, some extremely stupid person who got antler wounds to her stomach and leg. Uh, you go anywhere near them, they will attack you. And so these people, one of them was posing with the antlers. This thing's only got to stand up and gore somebody and somebody's going to be dead. These are the dumbest people in the entire universe. You know, the producer goes cycling in Richmond Park. He says, I often see people with very small dogs taking them up close to does. They think they're fr people go, oh, it's like Bambi. They'll kill you. You go nowhere near them during the rutting season. I tell you, 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 you fear for your life. These people are so, so stupid. I'm luckily able to mention them in the programme this morning. There's a woman within feet of the animal taking a picture of it with some bloke standing next to her. And what, what use do you think he's going to be if this thing stands up? You know, this is, this is a big animal. This is a big, powerful animal. And if it decides to stand up and go for them, it'll do serious damage. You know, you need serious surgery after this. But they're so thick, these people. It just drives me mad, seriously. What can you do, though, when you're dealing with thick adults? What can you do about it? I mean, I, d I just really don't know. I don't know. You can just offer advice, can't you? In fact, there is advice in all the guidebooks, and all the people in the in Woolerton have been around to people saying, listen, don't get close to them. They're wild animals. Oh, that's all right. It's like, you know, putting them into a safari park and saying, OK, we'll leave you in the middle of the lion enclosure. Perhaps you'd like to go up and get some pictures taken with them. You wouldn't do that, would you? These things are as dangerous. You know, it's like putting somebody in the middle of a, a bullfighting ring. And I hate bullfighting. But, you know, in, in, in Pamplona, I think you can see the result there, can't you? I'm delighted when the bull scores one over on the people who are taunting it. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, we've had people killed in Pamplona. I'm sorry, you set bulls down a street. They're frightened. They don't know what's going on. And people are taunting them. You, you take your life in your hands. Some people go over there and go, oh, he's running with the bulls in Pamplona. And I always pray to God that the bulls catch them. In, in one part of Spain, they set fire to their horns. They wrap flaming... I mean, what are these people, sick or something? Absolutely it's just It's just madness. But you can't advise the terminally stupid. And these people in the paper today, uh, in the Daily Mail, um, are terminally stupid. Sorry about that, you know, but there you go. Uh, what have we got here? Um, oh, the B test for smokers. Now, Darren was talking about this earlier on. And it's people who have to prove they've given up smoking or they won't be referred for surgery. It's like certain surgery. They go, uh, for example, for me, they wouldn't do... What was it they wouldn't do for me? They wouldn't do, I think, heart surgery or was it the, uh, it was the, uh, the skin grafting? If I hadn't managed to bring my blood sugar levels down... And uh, they said you have to get them down uh, for for us to go ahead with the surgery. So luckily I did. You do anything, don't you? I don't want to get to a hospital. They go, actually, we can't do surgery because your blood sugars are still high, which is not so good. Uh, A-lister Jennifer. This is Jennifer Lawrence. Says she was forced to take part in a nude movie casting lineup. Really? Would you not think, actually, if your agent sent you to something like that, you'd be going, I think I'm going to change my agent. But then probably some agents are as complicit 
in this. Oh, I watched The Apprentice last night. I had to watch a little bit of it while I was getting ready, just to remind myself that they are as stupid as they ever become. There's some woman on there who has the turn of language that, frankly, how she's ever made it onto television. You know, she didn't like one of the girls there, because they, they seem to be more mixed now. We've got sort of like gobby one. They all claim to be business, but nobody knew anything. And the, the subject was they went to a big country house hotel where they played golf and they had to decorate two rooms. It was a fairly simple thing. I mean, they were on a hiding to nothing because neither of these groups of people knew anything about decorating or design. And they were hoping that they were going to get £750 a night for their newly redecorated bedroom. Whereas uh, the bloke around the hotel, the manager said, I'm sorry, we get £750 for the suite. For this room, this is £350 for the room. And they decorated them so bad that nobody would have stayed in it. If I go into a hotel room, I'm looking for luxury. The reason you go to hotels is because it's better than what you've got. These just look rubbish. These people are so dim. And they finally got rid of, you know, one person who was all mouth and definitely no trousers. Next time round, it'll be, it'll be one of the girls, I suppose. They're horrible people. They really are horrible people. I didn't realise. I, th- I thought they'd all got a bit better. But they haven't. They've still managed to find people who sort of say, listen, I know everything about this. I'm a businessman. And then they, their faces contort and they start shouting obscenities at them. Oh, dreadful. Do you know, I'm, I'm always proven right. It's always quite embarrassing, actually, to be right all the time. And I don't like being right all the time, but it's just the way things go. I can't help it. It's my cross and I have to, to bear it. But I talked about mince pies the other day and somebody wrote to me and went, are you mad? Talking about mince pies in October. And I said, yeah. I mean, I don't know whoever said that mince pies were just for Christmas. The only reason you think they're for Christmas is because there's a picture of Holly on the front of the thing. And every time you see them decorated, it's got a little bit of icing sugar and a sprig of Ollie shoved in the top of it. And a bit of cream on the side. And you go, oh, it's for Christmas. No, no, no. You can have mince pies all year round. They sell mints all year round. You can make your own. You don't have to wait till Christmas. Just at Christmas, you get more of them. Anyway, mince pie sales have already topped four million pounds. So... I, well, all together, come on, I was right. You see, the great British public are with me. We're eating, we're eating mince pies. It's like turkey. You don't just have turkey at Christmas, do you? If you're a vegetarian, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not really. It's your own problem for not enjoying meat. But um, <laughs> it's a case of, you can have turkey all year round. You can have, you know, nut cutlets all year round. You can have roast lamb all year round. There's nothing that says... You have to have turkey only at Christmas. If you want to have little sausages with, you know, the bacon, you can have those any time you want. You don't have to wait till Christmas. What else? Roast potatoes all year round. Christmas pudding. I could have Christmas pudding in July. Why not? I mean, to be honest with you, I'd probably enjoy it more in July than I do at Christmas because I'm, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Christmas pudding. If you have it, it's only have a little bit. What we tend to have is uh, at Christmas is we have a, a choice on offer. So it'll either be... You know, uh, a Christmas pudding, either from Heston Blumenthal or one of the big ones, um, or a trifle, something like that. And trifle is lovely. I love it. I love a good trifle. You have pudding or hot mince pie. Yeah, because nobody's got the strength to eat Christmas pudding. I defy anybody on Christmas lunch to eat your normal lunch. And then they go, Christmas pudding. And you go, oh, goodness. And they go, right, well, tell you what, why do you all go and sit down in front of the television? Oh, goody, the sound of music again. I bet you anything she's going to... The nuns are going to all collaborate. Evil nuns, they were. Really evil. Mother Superior, I have sinned. Of course you have. You've wrecked the German man's car. You've taken out the starter motor. Horrible nuns, honestly. Climb every mountain. Dreadful. And uh, so anyway, so we all used to sit down and watch The uh, Sound of Music, which was very nice at Christmas. I liked it. I liked it. Nothing particularly festive about it. More sort of Easter. 
I would have thought, because you don't ever see the Von Trapp children tucking into food. In fact, I don't think they ate anything at all, but they couldn't. You know, their their nanny, the governess, dressed them up in curtains. Do you not think people were going, he's so rich and look what the kids are wearing, curtains. In fact, at one point, he does say, he says, are you seriously telling me my children have been going around the streets of Salzburg in curtains? And the nanny goes, yes. I'm thinking, have you seen this film before? Don't you know they wear curtains? Quite normal, quite normal. And they sing, you know... Sometimes they sit in the field, you know, and she sings... Well, he actually sings Edelweiss, doesn't he, after they've done a little puppet show. And the Baroness, who's an evil cow, she sort of sits down there and she Oh, how lovely. She doesn't really like children at all, but he's got, like, loads of them. We never knew where they came from. They just seemed to arrive. Perhaps Pigeon Post or something. And so all the kids sat and they go, Edelweiss... Because he can't sing. Christopher Plummer in the film was dubbed. Somebody sang for Christopher Plummer, like Oliver... In the film Oliver, he couldn't sing a note. So a woman sang for Oliver. And all these things you learn... You know, you watch these programmes on the telly. So I was a bit disappointed that Christopher Plummer couldn't sing. And so they had to get somebody in to sing for him. And then at the very end, at the music festival, where they sing, you know, the Von Trapp family singers for the last time, because uh, Captain Von Trapp is going to Bremerhaven to join the German Navy. He doesn't want to go there because he doesn't like the Germans and he wants to be Austrian. And, and then they all disappear. And then they go and hide with the nuns. And the nuns go, you can hide it. Evil nuns. Evil nuns. Mind you, I've heard that said before of nuns. You know, people who've been to those sort of schools where you've got nuns, you know, they really, they rule with a rod of iron. They really do. I think there must be something the matter with nuns. You know, they, because they're now using them on a reality show. Have you seen this one? Nuns on a reality show. Nuns on a reality show. What they've done is they've actually put some chavvy girls who go out there and get drunk and use bad language in with nuns to show them the error of their ways. Now, not only have we got chavs who swear, the nuns have picked up on it as well. Yeah, go to matins. I don't think so. All that kind of stuff. Nuns. God, dear me. And so, so they go and they hide in the abbey. And, and they go there and, and, and the nuns hide them behind tombs. Always one of my favourite bits. And then they, then they manage to escape up into the hills. And you get that beautiful Austrian scenery. And I love the opening shots of the sound every Christmas. For God knows how long through my childhood we got that. And I watched it every year. So I came to know the film really well. So you can imagine when I met Julie Andrews, I'm kind of like really excited. And the opening shots of the lakes, you know, in Austria is just one of the sites that if you've been to Austria, and it's not the most expensive place to go to. It's just beautiful. And at the very end, they cross over the border and they climb up the mountains whilst singing Climb Every Mountain. And the orchestra and chorus build to a crescendo and we all go, yeah! It was as good as watching Nick Knowles' DIY SOS without having a kitchen built in the middle of the, of the Tyrol. But it was, I thought it was beautifully shot. But Christopher Plummer hated. He had to carry the little fat child up there. And he got to the end and they went, can we do that again? And he went, I think not. He said, you get it carried once. If you didn't get the shot, that's your problem. You can come up with something else. Because she weighed, she weighed quite a bit. And he had to look as though it was all effortless. Come on, Gretel, I'll carry you. God, in heaven, what have you been eating today? You know, and so they sort of dragged her up the mountainside. But uh, I love it. A friend of mine says, Oliver didn't sing. Oh, my giddy aunt. Yeah, he couldn't sing. For, in fact, not only could he not sing, but he couldn't dance. So uh, they found a woman who they thought sounded like a young boy. So when he said, you know, he had to sing, Who will buy this wonderful morning? Such a sky you never did see. It was a woman. He, he mimed it quite well. He did do a film, friend of mine, you have to watch. 
sealed with a loving kiss because it's Jack Wilde and Mark Lester teaming up. It's such a cute film. Music from the Bee Gees. And uh, it's back to their Cucumber Castle days. And it was it was a really great film. You know, the great film when the man used to come around buying old clothes, he would give you a balloon or if, if you if you gave him a load of clothes. I can't remember what he was called. Just man with a cart. And he would give you you could end up with a goldfish in a jar. And so that was the, the ultimate prize. The ultimate prize. Yeah, but he couldn't sing a note. Not one note, poor little soul. And dancing, well out. So when you watch him dancing, it's really a bit of it. Mind you, Michael Ball had exactly the same for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Michael was not... I mean, he did do it, but he'll be the first to admit that he, that he wasn't a great dancer and he had to do this, the old bamboo. So you've got to sing and dance and remember what you're doing with your piece of bamboo. I had a few ideas, but they didn't take those up. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I mentioned earlier, didn't I, that they're, uh, they're showing on one of the channels, I think it's the On the Buses series. Some are in black and white, some are in colour. They were, they were terribly sexist. It was always the clippies on the buses. They were going, come on, darling, come back. Whereas, in fact, the blokes look really too old for it. Believe it or not, they brought out a DVD with it all on there. The films that they made, which was On the Buses, Mutiny on the Buses and Holiday on the Buses. And somewhere in my vast collection, I've got them. It's only, it's only like 19 quid. I've just ordered it. I'm so sad, honestly. I'm so, I don't know why. I bought the Steptoe film some time ago because they've got the theme tune to Steptoe and Son orchestrated. And I quite, uh, I quite like it. Anyway, it's nice to be company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, Wednesday the 18th of October. Uh, I hope you've been to the LBC website. You can see a little bit of the interview I did with Christian Slater, who's back in town in Glengarry, Glen Ross, at the Playhouse Theatre. It's not been in town for 10 years. You're going to love it. Seriously, it got uh, it got so many awards over the years. All the biggies have played it, and this is a great cast, including Christian Slater. And it's going to be down at the Playhouse from the twenty sixth of this month. And I mentioned it to a friend of mine. She said, "Oh, who have you interviewed today?" And I said, "Christian Slater." She said, "Oh, he's doing Glen Gary, Glen Ross." I said, "How do you know?" She said, "Because we've bought tickets." So, right. So already people are buying tickets. He's only in until February, so he's bringing the family over for Christmas. And uh, it'll do great business. It's uh, It reminds me very much of those 12 Angry Men. It's an ensemble piece, but uh, some real good names in it. Some real good names, so check that one out. Martin says how right you are about deer. There's this picture in the paper today of families. Families. Uh, a deer is lying down. Well, it's sitting down. It's a big deer. It's got big antlers, which probably about three or four feet easily. And uh, they're solid. If, if that thing got up and gored you, you would know about it. As simple as that. Because they do attack. You know, and people think, oh, they're dear, they're cuddly. We've seen the film Bambi, we've got little toys and all the rest of it, and they're not like that at all, they're wild animals. And they tell people, don't go... These people practically are sitting on them. I mean, if this deer that's in the paper today gets up and decides that it's it's not just going to wander away, it's going to attack somebody. Somebody's going to do something to it that's going to annoy it, and these things are... You're dealing with a powerful animal. There's no flab on these things, this is all powerful. But anyway... Uh, Martin says, I was six years old with my parents on a day out in the Hampton Court Palace grounds and a deer came up. Can't have been in the Hampton Court Palace grounds because they don't have any deer in Hampton Court Palace because I I know it very well indeed. So you might be talking about maybe Richmond Park. Um, But in Hampton Court Palace grounds, they've just got flower beds and fountains and there's not enough room to put deer in there. They've got the grapevine. In fact, I can take you all the way through it. They've got the long water. They've got the bit that... So there aren't any deer, as far as I know. There might be the ghost. 
of Henry VIII wandering around and a few headless wives, but that's about it. But anyway, uh, a deer came up, snatched my bag of Maltesers. I'm very scared of them. Out, uh, you know, snatched these out the hand and uh, I had a little bit of a mishap. As indeed you would, I should imagine. Uh, Noel says, do you watch W1A, a sitcom about staff at the BBC? No, I know lots of people who work for lots of different organisations, so I don't need to watch a sitcom. But uh, I should imagine it's probably as entertaining as any other sitcom. Kevin, Hugh Bonneville's in it. Oh, right, I've got Hugh Bonneville in tomorrow. He's in tomorrow. So I think he must be doing the new Paddington film. And on the subject of the new Oliver film, I think they've asked Adele to be um-pa-pa, um-pa-pa, that's how it goes. Um-pa-pa. Yes, good old Nancy. Good old Nancy. And uh, can't wait to see he's going to be playing Bill Sykes and all the rest of it. Whether it's going to be a musical, I don't know. Is it possible to do it as a stage play? Last person who staged it as a stage play was Cameron Mackintosh at the Palladium. It's got to be a musical if it's Adele, isn't it? Or have they picked her because she's buxom and Nancy was a buxom person? Apparently the boys in the film who played, uh, you know, Dodgers, Friends and Fagin's gang, they couldn't take their eyes off her breasts. They were actually told during the filming, they said, now listen, she's coming out in a dress... You know, which is a bit revealing. And the boys who are now grown up adults, you know, in their 60s, 70s, some of them, they said they couldn't believe what they were seeing. <laughs> They'd never seen anything like it in their life. So they, they, I've got a documentary with all the lads on there. And uh, it was it was the last thing I think Jack Wilde did. He liked seeing them all back again. It was a, a special moment for him because he was very ill at that time with uh, with cancer. It had taken a hold on him. And um, and all the boys were saying, when when, when Nancy came out... They went, wow, <laughs> because she was wearing this very low. I think people did, didn't they? And what, don't they? I don't know. I wasn't around in those days. <laughs> I really wasn't. Uh, Hugh Broom. Good. Look, do you know, I was thinking about Hugh Broom the other day. Hugh used to do our travel at LBC for ages and ages and ages. And he's got a farm. And he does, he does eggs and he's got cattle and he's, he's got all sorts of little bits. It's a lovely farm. Seriously, I don't know why they haven't filmed down there. It is like a scene out of Pig. Um, what was Pig called? What was that film called? Um, Babe. <laughs> I was getting things wrong. I can't remember anything like that. But um, so uh, I, I, I went down there. It was lovely. A few of us went went down years and years ago. And every so often I go, I wonder how Hugh is. I wonder how he is. Still the gentleman farmer and probably still doing it, uh, doing it as well as anybody else does. So they're remaking the film of uh, of Oliver. Whether or not it's going to... Can you remake Oliver? Can you remake a film that was so successful? Can you remake... I liked the end scene. I forget where they said they filmed it. I think it was on a bit of a lot. But they brought on everything. The brass bands and it started off... Who any milk today, missus? Or mistress or whatever it was. And strawberries. Ripe, strawberries, ripe. I wanted to be in that film. I always wanted to be in a crowd scene. You know, where, where you sort of got loads of people all doing things. I, was, I, I just quite fancy that idea. It'll never happen, but it's, it's a fantasy, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, Our local Toby Carvery by Harlow Station serves turkey all year round. He says, It's like Christmas every day. You'd love it. I said, I would like it. I would like it. I noticed, though, I, I have had a check in Leicester Square. We do have the decorations up in Leicester Square, and it's because they'll be putting in the little uh, huts underneath so we can have our little Christmas market here. It's not really it's mainly for tourists. I don't think it's for Londoners. I just want Winter Wonderland. I'm determined. I'm, I haven't quite decided if the pain in my stomach is going to be enough to actually have me sitting on a few of the rides at Winter Wonderland. But I went last year. I was very disappointed because if it rains, it's miserable. 
And it's got to be a little bit dark, you know, for a fun fair to come to life. And I, I do love things like that. And it's also very busy. It's also terribly expensive. I think a ride last year was about £7 for some of the big rides. You can get the cheaper ones. They have a little kiddies fun fair, which is really sweet. We sort of wandered through that. That was quite nice to see all the, all the big boys' rides, but in miniature. That was lovely. And chips, five or a portion. I deliberately went, well, I'm sorry, no matter how hungry I ever was, I am not spending a fiver on a portion of chips. There's such a thing as rip-off, and that was rip-off as far as I'm concerned. You know, you could charge three quid for a portion of chips and still make a very good profit. A fiver was just pushing it too far. And unfortunately, I, I put my foot down. And we, we went there. We had a little look through it. And I went, yeah, OK. And because it was wet, it was, it was miserable. So I hope this year it stays dry. Uh, I'd love to see Michael Barrymore back on the television on a Saturday night with Strike It Lucky. Good entertainer. Great entertainer, says Dave the Fisherman. Thank you, David. I don't, you know, uh, I believe they've still got a Strike It Lucky or something on the shelf of Michael Barrymore. Whether he gets shown, I don't know. Um, I'd like to get him in for In Conversation. I'd like to find out all sorts of things. I know he's an LBC listener. I'd love to get him back in again. You know, there's certain people who would be on my sort of wish list because I just want to, you know, I've seen all the other interviews and I've seen what everybody said about it. I would just like to sit down with somebody because I think I can get more out of somebody than other people can because I think they're very wary. But anybody who's ever listened to my interviews knows exactly what you're going to get. You know, it's not one of those things. So tomorrow we have got Hugh Bonneville in and... Um, Oh, so many guests coming out. Hugh Jackman's coming in, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. Dan Stevens from Downton and loads of other things. But uh, I think Hugh must be doing... He's doing this uh, this W1A, and he's also, I think, he must be doing the new Paddington, which they were talking about yesterday, I think, in the papers. So they're all popping in, and uh, hopefully at Christmas time, Jamie Oliver uh, will be coming in to do uh, Christmas with Jamie and Steve. Not that I cook or anything like that, but we just thought it'd be quite a nice idea. Because... Uh, and some bloke called Mark Hamill. Anybody ever heard of him? Anybody? No, I wasn't too sure. They said apparently he did a film aged. He was very successful in it. I said, oh, right. Did it do well? They went, did OK. Did OK. I went, oh, right. What was it about? They went, oh, no, space things or something. I went, oh, God, not Patrick Moore again. They went, no, no, it's better than that. I said, really? I said, bet it wasn't Star Wars. And they went, do you know, it might have been. Might have been. I said, really? Oh, that Mark Hamill. Yeah, get him in. I'd love to talk to him. Because actually, Americans are the easiest people to talk to. Much, much easier than anybody else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Have you noticed that on this programme, I give more time checks than on any other programme? And the, re the only reason I've started doing it is because somebody wrote to me the other week and said, you do realise that I'm relying on you to get me to work on time. And I thought... I want to be a bit more like Las Vegas. I'd rather you didn't know the time so that you don't have to go to work today. I don't want people to miss going to work. I just, I'm just not used to doing it, but I do it all the time. Every time I come in and out of breaks, I do a time check. So it's 24 minutes to six, which is sort of getting ever near a quarter two if your bus is at quarter two. Uh, a friend of mine says, vintage flask, soup day today. I had soup last night. Two bowls of soup. And uh, Matilda... With the ankle biters, the in it. Oh, Matilda's great, the musical. Oh, my goodness me, the kids are so good. The kids are so good, it's really wonderful. And Minion on board. I love the Minions. Although, actually, that wasn't, my, wasn't one of my best interviews. I did Steve Carell. And um, I just wasn't... 
because I didn't know anything about the uh, despicable me's and all the rest of it. I was a bit out of the loop on that one. Uh, Zach says, were you referring to the 1971 film Melody? Yes, it was subtitled Swalk, Sealed with a Loving Kiss, which starred Mark Lester, Jack Wilde and Tracy Hyde. And it was about, it's, it's so charming. It's such a charming film. Filmed around Lambeth on a lot of the bombed out sites, I think. And it's, it's truly wonderful. The soundtrack was from the Bee Gees and it's about two kids, Mark Lester and uh, Jack Wilde. They're both at the same school. They're little children. And Tracy Hyde and Mark Lester falls for Tracy Hyde. And uh, Jack Wilde gets a bit jealous because he's got a friend. And I've, I'm, we can all equate to this, can't we? You have a best friend and all of a sudden the best friend finds somebody else. And you go, hello, what's going on here? And it, uh, it turmoils your life. Uh, to, I loved it, says Zach. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, I could watch it now because it's just so sweet. It really is. Uh, have they got the new batch of Apprentice Hopeful, Steve, mixed up with the Jeremy Kyle show? Same people, just with better teeth. Yeah, but they're not bright, are they? I mean, they they really aren't bright. James O'Brien apparently is quite big into time checks. Does he does he do a lot of time checks? I've only started doing them recently. I never used to do it. Nick Ferrari's famous for not giving out the uh, the address or the phone number. If he famously doesn't do that, whereas and I used to think I don't need to give time checks because I don't need people to worry about how much time they've got left to listen to the program because I tell people get the app. Once you've got the app, you can listen to it. You can sit there. We were on a bus the other the other day, the producer and I, and there's a woman who, who gets on the bus. I don't want to say anything in case she's listening. It might be the same person. And she was listening to something, obviously, on her on her iPhone. And she kept laughing every so often. And I said to the producer, do you think she's listening to us? Do you think she's listening to me on her iPhone? And we... We hope not, but she fell asleep. <laughs> That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? I don't like the idea somebody falls asleep to the programme. Please not. Please not. Um, so, yes, I, I have watched the... Pre- they, they really aren't the, the brightest people. Uh, Hannah says, three days left of our 10th anniversary holiday in Fuerteventura. The food is unbelievably good. If we stayed any longer, I'd be as big as a house. So much for me not having an appetite when it's hot. Yeah, if the food food's good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, pole dancing in the Olympics. Yeah, they've said it's a, it's an Olympic um, sport, I think. My friend says, surely you beat Nick Ferrari for not giving out the phone number. <laughs> I, I always like to at Christmas, but it never works that way. Every year, people say, will you be opening the phone lines at Christmas? And every year, my boss always says, he says, will you be... Will you? And, no, I don't know. I always get to it and I kind of think, no, I'm, I'm sort of... I'm doing quite well, actually, without it at the moment. But uh, I have done them. Don't worry, I have done them before. Uh, William says it was the daughter of the film's music arranger who dubbed for Mark Lester. She was in her early teens, I believe, and got the gig after Lionel Bart heard her sing. It, it, was, it was so funny because when you sort of listen back to it, Paul in Manchester says, totally agree about Swalk, The Sealed With A Loving Kiss. Great little film. I don't think the Bee Gees ever sounded better, but everybody forgets Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah, that was uh, about your children, wasn't it? Teach your children, though. And that, that played at the end of the film. And uh, he said, thanks to you, I finally got a copy. It was notoriously hard to get hold of. And uh, I got mine from Japan. He says, I recall the producers hailed Tracy Hyde, who played Melody Perkins, as the next big thing, but she never did anything else. An early outing for David Putnam, the producer and writer, Alan Parker. Uh, the girl who sang, yeah, you're right, the girl who sang for Mark uh, was, I believe, the daughter of the musical director. Steve, I'd love to hear you interview Frances de la Tour, Miss Jones. Who, Miss Jones? Uh, no, I've never done her. Never done her at all. Um, 
always wanted to. It just depends whether or not people sort of come up and their their availability. You know, that's that's you know, and sometimes because I'm looking for a longer interview than most people. You know, if somebody does a television interview, they might be there for two or three hours, but it might be just a ten minute interview. You know, I'd love to know how long all the people on Graham Norton's show have to sit there for before they actually come on uh, come on stage. Uh, Steve Allen with bells on coming this Christmas. Yes, I feel there's something festive about bells. You only got to ring bells and people go, it's Christmas. I know there's people who don't like it. I'm so sorry. Uh, I believe the scenes in Oliver when the tradesmen all come out selling their wares was filmed in Bath in the Royal Crescent, said Steve the Milkman. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Uh, you were just talking about Paddington, says Nick. Do yourself a favour. Take a look at the trailer for the new film. Hilarious. Trust you'll be having your own private viewing. I do get to go to a lot of private viewings, but unfortunately, and I better be totally truthfully honest with you, that when they always say, oh, we'd like Steve to do so-and-so, so-and-so, uh, can he come and see the film? And I'm always the first one to say, I'm terrible at them. I fall asleep. Because of the time I get up, I've only got to sit in a room with a big comfy chair or big comfy seats. The light's dimmed down. It's nice and warm. I'm out. I'm gone. I, I went, the last time I went, I went with our showbiz editor, Charlie Girling, and I fell asleep and she didn't realise that I'd fallen asleep. I fall asleep, then I wake up. I sort of I can do it about 10 or 12 times. My apologies, says Martin. It was the park opposite Hampton Court, possibly bushy. Um, possibly. It certainly would have been Hampton Court. They, don't, they have no room for deer at all, unless they were being roasted over an open fire, which I should imagine they probably... Well, they eat deer, don't they? I should imagine. Uh, the man that gave you the fish in a bowl, or in my case, a colouring book and crayons, wasn't he called the Rag and Bone Man, says Dan? Rag and Bone! Remember that one? You should come. I said, why can't they speak properly? Rag and bone. Hello, I'm a rag at the rag and bone. Like that. And you always knew they were there. It was like the ice cream man. You always knew that uh, that the ice cream man was in town because you could hear the little twinkly thing. There's a singer called Rag and Bone. Oh, for goodness sake. Is there really? Oh, it's ruined my life. I don't want there to be a... Um, am I going... Are you going to the Andrew Garfield screening? No, I'm not. I'm not. A friend of mine has asked that. Uh, if so, I have your Christmas presents. <laughs> I'm not actually, and yet I am doing Andrew, but I'm doing him next uh, next week. But I'm not going to the screening. That's a bit odd, isn't it? How am I doing the interview? We were going to be doing the interview tomorrow. But then because of timings, everybody's sort of moved uh, moved around. So I'm doing it next week. But nobody's mentioned the screening. Well, I don't think they have. The producer's certainly not mentioned it to me. Otherwise, I'd know about it. Although his phone's playing up at the moment. So, rag and bone! The Rag and Bone Man. It's what uh, Steptoe and Son were. Rag and Bone. Uh, two episodes of Strike It Lucky are shown every Saturday night on Challenge TV, Steve. Right. It was, I mean, it, it was very good. I, he, was, he was very good with the people in it. Very good with the people in it. We're still waiting to find out um, what's going to what's gonna happen because he's, uh, he's suing Essex Police, isn't he? He was looking, I believe, for two and a half million pounds because effectively... When he, because celebrities, as we know through bitter experience, when they get uh, questioned by the police, they make all the newspapers. And unfortunately, it can then destroy careers. And in the case of Michael Barrymore, it destroyed his career. His career finished immediately. There was really nothing going on after that. The, the, you know, the uh, television companies were terrified to touch him. Because when you get something like that, it can be extremely damaging and extremely harmful. I mean, the latest we know, which I think came up a little while ago, is that Essex police have now been refused permission to appeal against the ruling that he's entitled to damages. It's 
how much damages we're deciding on. So they wanted to appeal against it and they've said no. No, he can get damages. How you put a price on somebody's earnings, I would not know. I would not have the faintest idea how much Michael Barrymore would be earning a year. I've, I've, I know some people in the business and believe you me, it's, it's a huge amount of money, huge amount of money. But uh, how much he would be earning, I don't know. Top of his game, game shows and stuff like that. Who knows? Could be worth a lot of money. Watch, uh, watch this space, as I say, and, uh, and we will have all the answers for you. There are moves uh, afoot to strip Harvey Weinstein of his CBE. Bearing in mind, he's not been charged with anything as yet. So he's had uh, the BAFTA uh, the membership of the uh, BFI taken away from him. Uh, the company have got rid of him as well. All these things have happened without him being charged. There is nothing, you know, we've had lots of people coming forward, lots of people alleging things that have happened to them. Uh, some saying that he did this, some saying he did that, some said he just, you know, tried it on. Whether that's an offence nowadays, I've got no idea. <coughs> and, um, and yet he's been charged with nothing at all. So obviously the police will be looking, especially in this country, there's about three or four people have come out and made allegations against him. But uh, they have to decide, don't they? So his, his career is effectively collapsed just on say-so, just on hearsay in the newspapers. If this turns out to not... And also, I mean, it's 40 people have come forward now. It's quite a number of people, isn't it? But if it turns out that there's not, you know, nothing that they, they can charge him with, what happens then? Can he then go back and, and sue the, uh, the, the newspaper? I don't know. I've really got no idea. Isn't that... It's the oddest thing. It is the oddest thing. But it's still in the papers every day. But now you get columnists like Sarah Vine who's saying... And this, you know, this will upset a load of people today. Sorry... But a clumsy Passover dinner is not, big letters, not sexual harassment. That's what you've got to decide, isn't it? You know, was he just sort of trying it on with somebody? If so, you might as well go around every nightclub in this country and arrest people left, right and centre. Although he's, he's not been arrested yet. He's currently in very expensive rehab in a dressing gown, which is how the whole thing started in the first place. So he's in, it's about £2,000 a day. What they do in rehab, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you, because we've had Gaza. He's been into rehab. This is to help you either stop smoking. We don't know what he's in there for. Is he in there because they think it's a, a sex addiction? Or, I don't, I mean, I really don't know. It's £2,000 a day. These uh, places are, are very... Bet Betty Ford had a clinic. There was the Betty Ford Clinic, which was notorious for celebrities going in there for sort of drink or substance abuse because it's an occupational hazard, you know, in the business. It's like footballers now. We're seeing more and more footballers falling off the wagon. The reason being that when they're not playing, they're, they're bored. They've got nothing to do. So they either gamble or they drink or they womanise. Or in some cases, all three. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I'll try to work out how many followers I've got, and it's not as many as people writing to me now. I've just discovered uh, Marcus has, has got nearly 300,000. I'm terribly depressed by anybody who gets 300,000. Even James O'Brien's got to... He must have bought them. It's not physically possible, is it? I mean, how does that work? I'm not a jealous person. Somebody said to me once, they said, you must be very jealous of other people who get more. I said, no, not really. I just get irritated. But uh, Marcus, I mean, looking at the, some of the pictures, he's in a dressing room in a secret location for a secret show. Now, that kind of always intrigues me, Marcus. I'm always, I'm always curious, Mark, to know what, uh, what's going on there. But I think I found somebody for you called Dino. He says, I can't believe I've missed this. It's the, it's the thing for the Steve Allen show at the Hippodrome on the 3rd of January. And it said, after last year's show sold out in minutes, 
multi-award winning LBC presenter Steve Allen will take to the stage. Unfortunately, it's sold out. It sold out fairly quickly, actually. I don't think it was minutes, but it was certainly fast. Certainly fast. So, uh, yeah. He said, do you think there will be touts outside? I don't know, actually. I never think... I don't think so, no. It's it's too classy. Too classy. But, uh, so Marcus is up very early, listening to me, whilst planning a festive shoot. Oh, that sounds exciting, Marcus. I'm very excited by that. A festive shoot. <laughs> Anything to do with Christmas. Listen, I mean, you've got to wave bells and a bit of tinsel at me, and I'm I'm there with everybody else. I just love it. I just love it. I know people hate it. I know people hate it because people write into me going, it's too early to talk about Christmas. But when I said earlier on that they've sold four million pounds worth, four million pounds worth of um, of mince pies, it must prove that we want a, we want a bit of happiness, don't we? We want a bit of jollity. We want a little bit of let's just enjoy ourselves. There's too much misery. You open up the papers, it's miserable. You know, there's not exactly many sort of happy stories in the papers. In fact, when you go behind the stories, you know, and you look at Ophelia, the storm, I mean, it's such a pretty name for a storm that caused £700 million worth of devastation. You start thinking, you know, what makes people happy? What makes people happy nowadays? Is it not having any debt? Is it finding a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, trans, anything, whatever it is? is does that make you happy? Having a good job, does that make you happy? Being content... Does that make you happy? Having good friends, does that make you happy? Having good family? Because I know people who don't even speak to their families. They're not remotely interested. Whereas I, I'm sort of, I'm kind of family. I kind of get, you know, as I said, for, for lunch the other day, 14. That's sort of divided between two, two families. And it's quite nice. I quite like it. But I like to step away from it as well. I quite like, you know, I like coming into work. I dreamt about work again. It's twice I've done it. It's getting really well. I'm having the oddest dreams at the moment. And they normally say you dream. Oh, that's pole dancing, is it? I can do that. It's, uh, I can't get my legs that wide, but I could have a blooming good try at it. They're doing it for the Olympics. Well, they're sort of saying it, it could be done for the... Yeah, it could be a sport in the Olympics. And so there is an international pole sport federation. Slightly odd, isn't it? Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so... Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's right, big, big families and all the rest of it. And I quite like it, but I like stepping away for it. Because I quite like sort of... Um, sort of doing my own thing. I like being at work, but I'm having these dreams. But I'm not eating anything before I go to bed. Normally, if you eat before you go to bed, cheese is always a fairly good leveller. You can guarantee you'll have a dream. I've had dreams about the car. I've had dreams about... I've had dreams about James O'Brien. Don't tell him, for God's sake. We're never at the end of it. I had a dream about James O'Brien the other day. He just sort of popped into my dream. But you know what it's like? It's very vivid at the time. And then afterwards, you think, I wish I'd written that down. Because there must be some explanation as to why. Because he said to me yesterday... When I saw him yesterday, because I was in doing um, Christian Slater. And as I say, go to the LBC website. There's a little clip of, uh, of me talking to Christian about Harvey Weinstein. And it's, it's very revealing, very revealing. Anyway, and then James O'Brien walks in and he goes to me and said, have you lost weight? Well, of course, you never, ever say, don't be silly. I always go, yes. I don't actually. I always go, I don't think so. I'd like to think I have. But uh, it's, it's a little bit... But at the moment, I'm sort of changing band. I was changing bandages in the office this morning. Because I've got one bandage and I've got Manuka honey squeezed under it and then a bandage over the top and sticking plasters. Honestly, it's serious. I look like a road map of the Sahara. It's not a great look. So, as I say, any time anybody's going to ask me to go on holiday, the one thing I'll not be doing is sitting by a swimming pool with my shirt off or my trousers. <laughs> I've got marks everywhere now. It's just not uh, not so good. Not so good. I'm glad many of you like the uh, the films that we talk about on the programme because that's, uh, that's, that's good, actually. 
consider yourself filmed in Bath. Apparently, Carol Reed, the director, three weeks to shoot that one song, says Chris. That was Consider Yourself at Home, Consider Yourself, one of the family. But the, the finished rap is brilliant. You see, films like that, I just, you know, you just want to jump into it. You know in Mary Poppins, where they jump into a chalk picture? And that's why I've always said, you know, Christmas is is a time for kids, because they've got that blank imagination. Adults, we've got so many things going on in our minds, you know. Can we afford this? Can we afford to do that? Oh, God, I forgot to buy a present for so-and-so. Have I done this? Am I do- Oh, God, petrol. I've got to put petrol in. Have I remembered to... Do- You've got to remember so many things. At the moment, I've got to sort out stuff for the accountant. It's giving me stress like there's no tomorrow. All I've got to do is just find, it's about 24, 40 items. It's, uh, seriously, it's making me go mad because I keep putting it off. And I've got to do it. I want to do it by the end of this week. And today is going to be the good day to do it. So I'm going to get back and I'm going to spread it all out on the floor and find all, because I'm just hopeless. I cannot do organisation. I cannot do that at all. I'm just, I'm just, I, if, if, if ever I sort of uh, got an awful lot of money, I'd be employing a PA Somebody who would say, I'll do all of that. I'll deal with all of that. Go, oh, brilliant. OK, who am I sending Christmas cards to? OK, how much are we putting inside there? Did you ever see the film Scrooged? He decides every Christmas. He's a big, he's a big TV executive. And he goes, OK, so-and-so, so-and-so, towels. It's your brother. Ugh. Towels. Uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, VCR. And he decides on what he's giving to me. It's, it's oh, chocolate. Champagne. Do you buy a bottle for the boss? I mean, in theory, it's like putting an apple on teacher's desk. You have to... Some some people do it, some people don't do it. But then, you, oh, producers say, no. You see, I, th- I thought sort of yes. I, th- I thought yes, because let's face it, somebody somewhere is going, shall we give him another contract? And somebody else is going, let's leave it till the last minute, worry him a bit. You know, they do things like this. It's just to keep me on edge. Small wonder I'm on medication and tablets. And you, and, and you sort of think, that's actually quite interesting, isn't it? It's like, I tell you the latest thing that people do in offices, they leave their jacket over a chair. And so when you come in, you go, oh, are they here? And somebody goes, oh, I don't know. You go, oh, my God, they might be. They might be here. Always a worry, isn't it? Uh, recently read Jack Wilde's autobiography, says Keith. Yes, I've read it. I have a copy. I ordered it on Amazon ages ago and uh, and love it. Love it. Our rag and bone man, says Martin, uh, used to rattle two saucers together in one hand like maracas. He only used to shout bone. <laughs> the goldfish uh, used to get, if you, if you gave the rag and bone man, rag and bone, used to, uh, used to get, excuse me, can you speak English? Rag and bone, okay, and it was rags and but what the bones were, I've got no idea, no idea at all. But it was always good fun. Listen, we take a short break for the news this morning. It's Wednesday, the eighteenth of October. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Richard Branson, the target of a four million pound kidnap fraud. I know. Actually, Richard Branson will be joining me this weekend for in conversation, together with Christian Slater in town for Glengarry Glen Ross which is uh, a super piece of theatre. And already, seats going really, really fast. Uh, storm hit Brits, £700 million. The lashing, the clean-up bill after Ophelia. Daisy Lowe says she's aware of the lesbian rumours. Oh, good. Colleen's off on holiday. Very unwise move, leaving uh, him at home. And you know he's not good home alone. Uh, former stars recalling 45 years of Emmerdale. And uh, the oven door comes off in Bake Off. All of that, the lotto and the actresses leading calls to unite after the sex scandal is after the news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. To have your... Oh, it doesn't matter. Somebody's used that before. Wednesday, the 18th of October. So, Sainsbury's, just before Christmas, start announcing they're going to make redundancies. Thousands of people in HR. They need to save, apparently, £500 million a year. This is, uh, this is getting to the stage of people who work very hard within an organisation and then all of a sudden they get... I mean, what a time to lose somebody before it comes up to Christmas. This is not the first we've heard of this. We've heard of uh, a car manufacturer the other week who are thinking of making redundancies as well because they can get stuff made cheaper abroad. You know, it comes down to competition. But in the case of Sainsbury's, I think you'll find it's uh, HR, it's in head office, and it goes across the group, but it's a huge amount of people to lose from a big organisation. And I've, I've sometimes wondered, you know, what a lot of people do in all these stores, because managers everywhere. I mean, at the moment, in Marks and Spencers, in, in Twickenham, and it's not the biggest Marks and Spencers, there's like three or four managers. What do they all do? I know that every so often they have to ring bells on the tills, because we don't have automatic tills in yet, and as far as I'm concerned, I don't want them. I don't want the automatic. I like the, the personal service. It's, it's much, much nicer. Much nicer. Uh, a friend of mine says, another contract. They should chain you to a radiator. A radiator? Who has radiators anymore? <laughs> uh, we do. Uh, Tracy says, I saw 42nd Street at the weekend, Steve. Best musical I've ever seen, isn't it? Uh, just, I mean, uh, yes, 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 yes. It's got feel-good stamped all over it. If you're feeling a bit down in the dumps and a bit miserable and you need a lift, then 42nd Street is, is come and meet those dancing feet because uh, the avenue that I'm taking you to is 42nd Street. You, you will not be disappointed. It's got everything. It's got camp. It's got glitter. It's got showbiz. It's got young people who tap dance. It's got feel-good stamped all the way through it. I loved it. I loved it years and years ago. That's where Catherine Zeta-Jones came from. She came from 42nd Street. And I've told you the story that uh, I had friends of mine in the show. I used to go there. Jill, who works the stage door, Theatre Royal Drury Lane. She's uh, still around, thank the Lord. And... Um, and Catherine Zeta-Jones was Chorus. And the show is about Chorus Girl, who makes it to become the star. And the star fell ill in 42nd Street. And the only person who knew it was Catherine Zeta-Jones. So they put her on. That night, she became a star in the musical. All the cast were telling me that they were all in the wings watching her do the show. They couldn't, you know, because it's so exciting if you're in a show like that, which is a, which is a hit and it's feel-good. It just... Makes the hairs on your arms stand. Oh, I haven't got any hairs on my arm. It makes all the hair on your arms stand on end. So I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you liked it, Tricia. She said, "I've just rebooked to take my daughter at Christmas. She will love it." Uh, somebody reminds me of Leslie Caron in a film called uh, Lily. This is where she she talks to puppets. It was on. It actually, I saw it only a short while ago on television. Uh, she sings. Um, da 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 da. Tammy, Tammy. Isn't that one? Or is that another film? I can't remember. But uh, I do remember Leslie Caron doing that. My auntie remembers Lionel Bart from Spitalfield, says Jem, in East London. She said he was a clever child with curly hair drawing on the pavement. My auntie was a very good friend of Lionel Bart's sister, who was called Fribbit. Uh, the rag collection, I understand, says Jane. But what, what bones are they collecting? Gold knows. God, no. I mean, seriously, I wish I, I wish I could tell you. I've got no idea. This was the rag and bone men who used to come round the streets of London and, you know, lots and lots of different places. And they would collect rag and bones and you'd turf out. Oh, I wish they'd come round now. I've got loads of clothes to turf out. I'm very loath at getting rid of things because the last time I took them to a charity shop, they were a bit dismissive. And 
And I was a bit disappointed. I expected <laughs> expected them to be a bit more grateful, but they weren't. Anyway, uh, the bones were to make glue left over from Victorian days, says Michael. Great show. Thank you. But but where would you get bones from? You talk about animal bones. Because you could go down the butchers, presumably, and buy bones for the dog, couldn't you? Uh, Lisa says, I've been listening to you for years. And you're fabulous. I agree with everything you say. You should never agree with everything I say, but you should certainly take a, take a, a bit of it. Uh, the bones collected would be sold and then boiled. There you go, to create glue and fertiliser. The rags would be sold to rag merchants. Right. And rags were reused to create cloth known as shoddy. In other words, it was sort of the cheaper end of the market. But uh, the rag and bone man, also known as the bone grubber, the bone picker, the rag gatherer, the bag board and totter. People were totting. That's how they, that's what, what they were called, totting for money. But uh, interesting, isn't it? The way it sort of it sort of comes along. Warren's got uh, numb fingers and a headache. I'll tell you, I was freezing to death this morning when I got up. I sort of I got up and I didn't realise how cold it was outside. And I, I walked outside and went, God, blimey, it's freezing, freezing. And a friend of mine says, Rag and bone, what are the bones about? Great question for the mystery hour. Are you allowed to call? I don't... Well, I mean, I probably am allowed to call. I'm not sure whether or not I would call. I don't think I would do that, actually. I'm, I'm not that sort of person. I don't, I don't call other people's programmes. Well, no, I don't, actually. I don't. I, I really don't call other people's programmes. You can never accuse me of that. Good friend of mine works for the Crown Estate and he organises the Christmas lights down Oxford and Regent Street. Like you, he loves Christmas, says Gary. I don't know. I can't imagine why anybody would ever not love Christmas. I always think to myself, it's a time for, for happiness. It can be a, a time of great misery, I realise. My mother passed um, before Christmas, years and years ago now, quite a, quite a long time ago. But uh, never stop thinking about somebody. Never, ever stop thinking about somebody at all. So I always sympathise with anybody who goes, you know, it would have been, you know, Christmas, but it was a few years ago, my mum died or my dad died. And, you know, I always have sympathy because I've I've been there and I've done it and I've I've not only got the T-shirt, I bought the factory at the same time because I, I know exactly what it's like to go through something and you, you feel so devastated. And you can feel devastated for other people as well. And that's why I think if you've, got, if you've got children, you live Christmas through your children because they derive so much pleasure. It's like wide eyes and I'm like, wow. And a tree with lights and stuff like that. So that's why, as often as possible, I get down to go and see Christmas. I just, I just get involved in it. I don't know why. It's bad, isn't it, really? It's completely mad, because I can't think of any logical reason, apart from it reminded me of when I was little. I was talking to uh, my brother's girlfriend's son, and he's going out with this Canadian girl, and she lives in a place called Thunder Falls, I think, over in Canada. They end up with 20-foot snowdrifts in this place, and he can't wait. You know, people get holed up inside, but they drive. But outside every house and in all the parking, there is a post... And we saw this when we were in Lapland in Luosto. You connect your car up to this post and it heats the car engine. It keeps the engine warm so that the oil doesn't freeze. Because up in Thunder Falls, or Thunder, whatever it was called, um, they had minus 42 degrees last year. We are talking seriously cold. And I said to him, when you go, because he's never experienced temperatures like it, I said, make sure you've got a hat. And the hat has actually got ear flaps because your ears are going to freeze to death the hairs in your nose freeze it's terrible another illuminated billboard this one by paddington bowl lovely Ooh, we are we are making good cutting it a bit fine this morning aren't we just a little bit if you're looking at paddington and it's 12 minutes past six dear me honestly 
I'm in early for my show. There's no logical reason to be in early. Uh, bone is used to make bone china, says Andy. No, it's not. It's used to make glue. That's what they used to say about horses. Bone ash for bone china. Don't you start. But, uh, but uh, glue. They used to make glue from horses, didn't they? Horses when they were... I know. France, they eat them. We eat them as well occasionally, but without knowing about it. And then the rest of them get boiled down for glue. First direct UK flight to Taiwan for five years. Do you know, I've often wondered what it's like in Taiwan. I know loads of stuff is made over there and it's cheap. You used to see made in Taiwan. You used to think, oh dear, that sounds a bit rubbish, doesn't it? I wonder what it's like over there. And also the MPs in the papers today telling restaurant bosses, and the producer does this, stop shaming diners who ask for tap water. Can you imagine asking for tap water? And uh, and you sort of think think to yourself, so you go into a restaurant and they go, uh, we'll have so-and-so. What, what we do when we go out, if we go out with, with my godchildren, and there can be uh, seven, eight of us, something like that, um, we always ask for water, jug of water, with um, a little jar of lime juice. So they could have lime juice and water. We were, we were a bit sad last time. Nobody had a drink apart from... Uh, Apart from Chris and my eldest uh, godson, they were the only people. I, I drank water, but I never drink tap water. I always drink bottled water. I feel safer drinking bottled water. Um, I'm usually much more professional, says a friend of mine. I mean, it's quarter past six. I've only just reached Paddington. I mean, I know it's not that far, for goodness sake, but I mean, even so. Says uh, um, uh, Charlie Girling is off to Mauritius. So, no, I don't know anything about Mauritius. Is it just lying on beaches? Is it just lying on beaches and indulging and stuff like that? When I was speaking to uh, Christian the other day, uh, and he was he's here for Christmas, so he's going to be here until February, and I said, you're bringing the family over? And he said, yeah. I said, will you be doing Christmas? He said, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, he actually he, he does Christmas. So that's a nice thing. The Americans do also, they do their Thanksgiving and everything else, and he loves it over here. He loves London, and you'll hear the result of that interview. It's a good, in- they're all good interviews. It sounds, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but, you know, some people are really nice. You do an interview with them, and it's not like work. You're just having a nice conversation with somebody. So, Richard Branson and Christian Slater this weekend for In Conversation, so very pleased about that one. And then, uh, gosh, we have people literally coming up to Christmas, I'm going to be working my little socks off. Which I don't mind, actually. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. A friend of mine who's running a little bit late for work, sort of cutting it fine, he said, I'm, I'm trying to play it cool, touch and go, but he's, he's in an underground car park at the moment. <laughs> There's loads of spaces. I mean, it's not exactly difficult to find a space. God damn, honestly. I'd be having palpitations. Did Have you ever... Can I just ask it? Because I encountered this the other day, and I don't know whether you've ever encountered it. Um, they're thinking of bringing in... Online shopping with security text. In other words, you go to order something, you put your credit card in, they then send you a text. I discovered this a few weeks back. They then send me a text to my phone saying, put this number onto your order so they know it's you and it's not somebody who's just got the the credit card details. And they're thinking of bringing it in online. So there'll be no online shopping until you receive the security text. Mine said, you know, put this number in. And uh, then we'll know. So they sent it to my phone, because I've always got my phone number. And uh, I then fill it in on the uh, on the order form, and then the order's accepted. And it's a brilliant idea. I've got a machine at home. The person who looks after my account, um, if we need money transferring, they have to... I've got a little, like, credit card machine. I put my card in, it generates numbers. 
and I then read the numbers to her. She will then say, right, key in this, 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 this. What number is it given you? And I then repeat this. She then puts it in and that then authorises her to do it. But this online shopping with the security text is a brilliant idea because it's the most common crime in England and Wales and it needs something sorting out quickly. If they do this, it only literally takes about a minute for you to do it. It doesn't really make too much difference. I can't find out as well, and I'm sure that the producer will find it for me, Sainsbury's and their redundancies, exactly how many there are and where they're, where they're coming from. The smokers and the obese facing the indefinite surgery ban. Well, obviously, presumably indefinite until you've either stopped smoking or, you know, you've lost weight or something like that, because that's the, that's the biggest problem. If you are grossly overweight, then there's certain surgery that they cannot do. Uh, Lisa says, um, well, she was the one who says, been listening for years, and you're fabulous, but she says, Jack, Jack Wilde, was my godfather. I performed in a show in Brighton with him years ago, before I did West End myself. I'm now training to be a sign language interpreter. Oh, how brilliant. My, uh, one of my ex-producers from years ago, Uncle Rob, he, uh, he does sign language, and it's very good. She said, I shall carry on listening to you. Thank you for brightening up my morning. Lovely. But, uh, yeah, sign language. God, what a, what a, what a brilliant thing to do. What a brilliant... I bet it doesn't pay huge money, but it's very good. My brother's daughter, uh, oldest, does fluent Spanish, written and spoken. And so they use her. Her, her company fly her over to Spain every so often, and she does uh, interpretations. And I thought, how clever is that? Seriously, it's unbelievably clever. Me? Useless. Sainsbury's. This uh, story, just before Christmas, they're looking... To save £500 million, they're axing 2,000 store and back office roles. What they're doing is they're re... I hate this word. They're restructuring the HR department, getting rid of 1,400 store-based clerks and another 600 staff based in the back offices that serve the chain, as well as Argos and Sainsbury's Bank. What they've basically done is followed suit with uh, Aldi and Lidl. They have to compete. Tesco is shedding two and a half thousand staff they're hitting head office uh, as well as staff based at the cardiff call center which will close next year as the workers are facing redundancy or a dramatic cut in their working hours they look to cut costs sainsbury's employs about one hundred nineteen thousand people but they need to save 500 million pounds and they will reach the end of a three-year plan to save 500 million pounds they've been working with a management consultancy the 600 head office staff are based in manchester coventry edinburgh and London. They say it's a difficult time. Well, difficult for the workers, I would think. In March, they said they were cutting 400. They said probably another 4,000 would face changes to their working hours. That includes scrapping the night shift in 140 supermarkets. Wow. The big four supermarkets, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda and Morrison's, are losing market share to Aldi and Lidl which added £390 million to their sales over the past three months. That figure was half of the grocery market's overall growth. Dreadfully worrying, isn't it? But coming up to Christmas. Coming up to Christmas, it's, you know, it's, it's not, a, not a good time for anything like that. So a lot of sympathy for those people who are based all around the country. Thousands, isn't it? You don't forget how many, how many people are, em, are employed. R- really, it's quite amazing. So not a good Christmas for those people. T- talking about earlier on, you know, trying to make it sort of a, a happy time of year. Uh, Steve, I'm feeling lots of connections to this morning's show. As a child, I attended Barbara Speaks Stage School for dance classes and I was in an end-of-term show at Acton Town Hall with Jack Wilde. Also, my brother's friend, friend Nigel was in Oliver. He was one of the pickpockets. He managed to get me a signed Polaroid from him. Also, my last West End audition was for Michael Barrymore's show. 
the day before that story broke. I think it was for my kind of people. So there you go. There you go, you see. It's a small world, isn't it? Uh, agree with you about 42nd Street. Uh, what about Memphis? I don't know anything about Memphis. I really don't know anything about Memphis. Says, uh, I think it also has that feel-good factor. A friend of mine's off to see Neil Diamond, I think, tonight. I said, I'm very jealous. Very jealous. Great voice, amazing catalogue of songs. I bet Tony, in Ricelip, everybody sings. Where it began, I can't begin to notice. But then I know it's going strong. <sighs> I know all the words. I've got so many DVDs of Neil Diamond in, in concert. Memphis the Musical is uh, Matt Cardle. Tells a story of a radio DJ who wants to change the world. A tale of fame and forbidden love. Uh, this is the story of a white radio DJ, Huey. Inspired by a, a Memphis disc jockey called Dewey Phillips. And his collaboration with uh, Felicia. Together they journey to bring her music to the masses over the airwaves. It's got loads of original songs. It's uh, got a Tony Award for Best Musical. And um, sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Quite like that. Good luck for, uh, for Matt Cardle. It actually opened... Oh, it's already closed, isn't it? Oh, it's a shame. Closed in 2015. But uh, you never know, it could pop up again, couldn't it? I suppose. All these things come back again. All sorts of things for Christmas. Big pantomime at the Palladium this year, uh, as there was last year. In fact, a lot of the original cast members from last year have come back again. So that's always uh, good news. Uh, in an old episode of Steptoe and Son, the bone referred to some bone china that Harold picked up on his rounds. Thank you. And uh, Taiwan's beautiful. Bullet trains run north to south. Great cities, uh, Taichung and Chiai. Beautiful beaches in the south. Uh, Pacific coast to the east side. Huge mountain ranges down the middle, says Market Heathrow. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Sounds lovely. Wow. Uh, somebody says redundancies everywhere. Wilco are restructuring. And now uh, GMB are involved as they uh, want staff, as, as deal they want staff to take is laughable. What's GMB? Is that... Oh, right. But all these different different people do it. They have to restructure. They have to restructure. And you've also got to make sure that, you know, firms become competitive. You know, I mean, I've lost track of the amount of times people say multitasking. That's that's the key forward. Multitasking. People have to sort of go the extra mile. But if you like doing what you're doing and you think that you're well rewarded, then you just hope that, you know, people recognise what it is that you do for the company. And more and more people are becoming company people. You know, we every year have big Christmas parties. Loads of companies do them now. And it's a way of saying thank you for, for sort of the year before and for making the company do well and for making people aware of everything. So I never go. I never go to the Christmas parties. Not for any logical reason. Although you might hear stories on this station that I'm banned from the Christmas parties because of, let's just call it an incident some years ago, where my trousers gracefully slipped to the floor for some... Don't ask me how. I've got no idea. Anyway, I was never banned from the Christmas parties. It's just that they always occurred on what I call a work night. And I'd be so worried that I'd go there, I'd have a couple of drinks, and then I wouldn't be capable of doing the show. So I decide to uh, to sort of cut my losses and go, listen, I'm more than happy for everybody else to go to the party. I just like hearing the gossip afterwards. Who did what? And it's, it's always a Wednesday night for us, because there's so many people go. I mean, I forget how many. You're not going either. Oh, good. There you go. Producer, because you can't. It's not physically possible. You see people in various states staggering around everywhere. And I think, no, I've got a show to do. If you've got a show to do, the, the main commitment is to the show. It's as simple as that. You imagine, I come on, uh, come on air at four o'clock. Whee! <laughs> You'd be going, this show's better than usual. 
This Steve Allen show is so much more interesting. Uh, so, who has tap water? The producer. He goes into restaurants and, sa- and I said, why? He said, because it's free. I said, you're so mean. It's only like a pound and a bit for a bottle of water. No, he wants tap water. <laughs> it's not enough, is it, really? Uh, Fern McCann. I'll tell you why she's in the papers in a, in a minute. She features in somebody's column. They're not very happy with her, mainly because she's sort of one of these people. She has no discernible talent. She just pops up on television. And at the moment, she's famous because she's pregnant by a boyfriend who is, let's just say, giving evidence at the moment. That's as far as it goes. He's actually denying any sort of involvement. But... Uh, And so she's talking about that. Uh, Also, the clumsy Passover dinner is not sexual harassment. What is a clumsy Passover dinner? Would you like to pass me the potatoes, Zulina? I don't know what a clumsy pass is. Is that when you chat somebody up over the dinner table? I've never done that. Who can be bothered? I'm just bothered about what the food tastes like. I don't want to do sort of those sort of things. And uh, which IKEA decade drove you crazy? Of course, you'd have to have been to IKEA to actually realise I found it dreadfully stressful. So I only ever went once. Only once. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari and the team at 7 o'clock for breakfast this morning on LBC. Figures have showed that crime in London has risen nearly 6% over the last year, with the most notable surge in the number of youth killings. What can be done to stop young people getting into violent gangs? There's two in the paper today. A young man who merely asked a drug dealer to move on gets knifed and dies. And a young man whose phone, phone was stolen by uh, a motorcycle gang, moped gang, who killed him as well. Donald Trump's latest travel ban has been stopped hours before it was due to become into force. Nick will find out why. And the government will be implementing new laws to crack down on unfair letting agents. Nick will get the details behind that plan from the community secretary, Sajid Javid. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, Monday through Friday. Uh, And we're here Saturday morning. With the best of Steve Allen between six and seven. No, sorry, between five and six. I forgot myself then. And then between six and seven, it's in conversation. And this week, the actor Christian Slater in town because he's doing Glen Gary, Glen Ross, David Mamet's award winning uh, play about uh, about high flyers. And it's 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 uh, about a five or a six hander. You're going to love it. It's selling really well. It's at the Playhouse Theatre from the 26th of this month and it runs through till. February, so Christian Slater with us over the festive season, and uh, also Sir Richard Branson. He's not bothered about the surbit. It's very odd because I did sort of, and so I, you just get because you're so used to seeing him, you just you fall into the gap and the uh, and the sort of and the crevice of calling him just Richard, which <laughs> I feel I because some people are quite insistent on using titles, but uh, we talk about everything. We talk about the business. We talk about Necker Island, which is his. Uh, his home where he, he spends a lot of time. And, of course, the hurricane which devastated Necker. But it can be rebuilt. Everything can be put back together again. When it hit, they all retreated to the cellar. They got a concrete bunker underneath the house. Luckily, it holds the wine. And he said, not now it doesn't. And so they were all down there. But they, they will rebuild it. But he was, he was very interesting. His uh, second part of his autobiography is out So uh, you'll enjoy that conversation. That's this coming Saturday morning. Then I'm back with you on Sunday morning between five and seven as we take our first look at the Sunday papers and discover just who's... I can't can't even guess who's going to be in the Sunday papers. Sometimes I can have a guess. I can have a look at the papers on a Saturday and I can work out roughly who I think is going to be making the headlines on on the Sunday. And then nine o'clock on Sunday evening, it's the repeat of In Conversation. However... 
If you want to download In Conversation, if you're fans of all the people, and we had Matt Lucas last week, Gloria Hunniford, she sent me a lovely letter. Really, there's only a few people who ever write letters. Ginny Cooper's one of them, and Gloria Hunniford's the other one, just saying, basically, thank you. Which is, it's such a rarity in this day and age. I mean, it really is a rarity. But uh, she sent me a letter this week, so that was quite sweet, because we go back many, many years. Many years. Uh, and she celebrates 70 years, and she celebrates an OBE as well. David Walliams gets his award the other day from Princess Anne. Bit of a disappointment. You you always want the Queen, don't you? Just to say, the Queen gave me my, uh, my OBE, but it was Princess Anne. Or even Harry. Or William. I'd rather get Harry, though. If you're going to get either of them, you'd like to have a quick word with Harry going, so, marriage imminent? I don't know why nobody's ever asked. <laughs> it's some big secret. 32-year-old man goes out with girl. We know they're going out because she's told us. Should you not be allowed to ask that? I would have to ask. Uh, Colleen is off on holiday again. Colleen Rooney. Bit of a mistake there. Last time she went away, he was having a bit of fun and games. I could drive the car for you. Uh, but anyway, I think an amber warning on that one, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, poor Katie Price flogging somebody else's book, pretending it's hers. You know, it's a case of, does she write anything? No. She just comes up with the story. I don't understand how it works either. But people sort of buy into somebody else's book. It's, it's, it's an odd one, isn't it, really? Uh, the redundancies, which we talked about earlier on. I like this no online shopping until you receive a security text. That could, that could stop literally overnight security fraud on your credit card. Somebody might have hacked into your credit card details. With this, there is no chance because they're going to send something to your phone unless somebody's hacked your phone, which is unlikely. They send you this code. It can be four or five numbers or something. And then you just put it back in the thing. And then that authorises the credit card. Much, much better. Uh, smokers and the obese face the indefinite surgery ban. You just have to make sure that you're, you're healthy and you don't ever need surgery. I say it's happened to me only the once, but I was a good boy. I got away with it. Um, the front page of The Sun, Anna and the Amazon sex pest. This is Anna Friel at the centre of a new claim of inappropriate behaviour by suspended Amazon boss Roy Price. Uh, this is at a showbiz dinner where apparently uh, the Hollywood executive allegedly made unwanted advances towards her. Uh, a TV insider says Anna left early. Everybody at the dinner noticed when others asked they were told... He had acted inappropriately. Price is a friend of Harvey Weinstein. It get, see, the trouble is, I'm, I'm kind of on a, on a ledge on this one. I'm seriously, if, if somebody comes on to you, if somebody goes, you know, do you want to come, come out for a drink? You just say no. I don't, you know, if, if you go back to somebody's hotel room, as one of the columnists says today, surely you must have heard the rumours. Don't go back to somebody's hotel room, whether they've got staff or not, because they might disappear and then you're stuck with somebody. You know, I bet there's loads of people listening at the moment who've been in a situation. You might not be famous. You might not be anybody in particular, but you might be somebody who's been taken advantage of. Everybody must have stories about this because that's what people did. People tried it on with people. If they fancied you or not even if they fancied you, they just sort of did it. It happened to loads and loads of people. Loads of people. I heard a horrendous story from a friend of mine the other day, which I can't tell you about because it's so horrendous. And he's kept it quiet for ages and ages and ages. And I remember thinking, my God, that takes some guts. Uh, also, something about Lady Mary. This is somebody, who, you don't know who she is, and you don't need to know who she is. Apart from the fact that only yesterday she featured in the paper because they made up some story that Dave Beckham, well-known intellect, um, had been chatting to her and liked her. And Victoria Beckham was getting a bit uh, iffy about it, going, you know, 
I don't, I don't like you talking to this person. I think she's a bad influence. Although how Victoria Beckham knows her, I've got no idea. But anyway, so blow me down. You thought, oh, that's it. It'll just be some sort of blonde model type person who's trying to further her career. So she leaps on the back of David Beckham and they start chatting away. You know what Dave's like after a couple of bevies? He doesn't care who he chats to. Victoria, of course, who isn't very good on the beverage. You know, she just said, David, come away. David! And, of course, he totally ignores her. So, uh, anyway, so then today, Lady Mary's all over all the papers. A two-page spread. Like she's somebody important. It's fame by association. She's not famous by herself. But now that they've sort of thrown David Beckham into the into the woodpile, all of a sudden she becomes interesting. So the next thing is they'll be going, would you like to be on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? Would you like to be on this? Would you like to be on that? And you just end up with another celebrity who is only there because she might or might not have been friends with Dave talking about dogs or something. Apparently that's what it was. It was over, it was over dogs. And I wasn't actually aware that, uh, that Davy Boy Beckham actually had any dogs. In fact, I was, I was pretty convinced. Well, I don't, I've, I've never seen pictures of the, of the dogs. They say she's a rich wild child who loves to party. Well, that's completely the opposite of Davy Boy Boring Beckham. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't party. He doesn't know Kate Moss. He sits there and they just go, you all right, Dave? We go, that's, that's about as far as it goes. But they say Victoria's keeping a close eye. So there is the link. That's the link. <coughs> and they've got a picture of, uh, of Dave uh, Beckham. He's not even with this woman at all. She's with somebody else. So it's, you know, it could be a load of old hooey. But obviously she's got some agent and they're trying to come up with something to try and get some interest in her. Uh, the Daily Mirror this morning, Emmerdale hits 45. Not possible, but 45. And they've got a super soap quiz. Uh, the Victim's Fury is the BBC Axis Crime Watch. I love that. I mean, it, you know, it, there might be Victim's Fury and people might be going, oh, I've always watched that programme. I love it and I quite liked it, but not bothered with it since Nick left. And to be honest with you, nobody else has bothered with it. The audience has literally hemorrhaged. So as opposed to wasting a lot of your money and my money, they've decided to axe it and they'll just bring it back for a couple of times a year. I mean, why bother? Why bother? There must be other programmes they waste money on. I think Children's BBC needs to go. I only say that because, you know, when you're younger, you watch Blue Peter. Come on, hands up. Anybody seen Blue Peter recently? Nobody. Nobody. There's more people watching the test card than watching Blue Peter. Will they axe it? No. How many people are working on it? Pfft, loads. I should imagine 30 or 40 people are working on Blue Peter. 15 million workers, according to the Daily Mirror, uh, don't pay into pension. An England captain's war hero son found dead at dad's home. This is Chris Butcher, son of uh, son of Terry. You can read that uh, very sad story in the uh, the Daily Mirror for today. Also, the sun, just going back to the, uh, the sun again, they've got a charity worker who was murdered uh, for his mobile phone by a moped gang. Two teens were arrested after Abdul Samad, 28, was knifed to death outside his home in Little Venice. Little Venice is posh. Little Venice is where lots of rich people live. It's, it's quite a good area to have a moped gang who are prepared to murder somebody for a mobile phone. Luckily, they've got them. Luckily, they've got them. Let's, let's see some, some good old-fashioned British justice. Yeah, right. Whatever that turns out to be. The Daily Star, another picture of dreary old Daisy Lowe. We've had enough of you, Daisy. I'm so bored. So bored. My love for Louise. Oh, so dull, so dreary. And then the dull, dreary world of the teen lotto millionaire. This is little Jane Park, who's obviously very lonely. 
In fact, even the Daily Star said the sad world of the teen lotto millionaire. She she can't find anybody. It was only a short while ago. She was the one who was complaining. Do you remember uh, that she wished she'd never won the lottery? It brought her no happiness at all. But now she spent 50 grand on having her boobs done and her bottom and her teeth done. She's now bagged a footy ace. Unfortunately, he's a nobody. He's an 18-year-old who isn't even playing football at the moment. That's how sad and desperately lonely her life is. You know, give the money back, dear, because it's obviously ruining your life. It really is. But as I say, she's just an attention seeker. And um, it's kind of, you've wasted your money. If you seriously think that 50 grand on boobs and, and a bum lift and having your teeth done is going to bag man, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Try developing a personality. Try, you know, being a nice person. You know, the physical aspect is really not that exciting. You don't have to look at poor old Cheryl Tweedy to realise that. You know, that's not going anywhere, is it? You never see Cheryl Tweedy out having a lot of fun. Little Miss Misery always looks about as miserable as, you know, I've lost a pound and found a penny. It's that kind of situation. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Now, for the two of you, listen, it might only be one, but there might be two, I'm guessing, I'm erring on the side of caution, who regularly watch the BBC News channel, You'll both have seen the presenter, Simon McCoy, getting a little grumpy at some of the stories he has to tell. Now, this August, he was very fed up, as you know, having to talk about the World Dog Surfing Championships, which took place in California. Those of you who work in news know well that uh, that's just what happens in August, when the politicians go on yet more holidays and the news just stops for the most part. In 2013, he had quite the year. He forgot to pick up his iPad before he walked onto the set. So he held on to a pack of A4 printer paper instead and delivered the bulletin as normal. A couple of months before that, he had to report from outside the West London Hospital where the Duchess of Cambridge gave birth to Prince George and was quite blunt prior to the birth when saying that he and all the other journalists there would continue all their talk and speculation, none of it news. Yesterday, he got a chance to continue his royal cynicism. Just uh, got this coming in from Kensington Palace, some news we just got. Their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, are delighted to confirm they are expecting a baby uh, in April. Now, bearing in mind they announced that she was pregnant back in September, and it was thought she was around two or three months pregnant. I'm not sure how much news this really is. But anyway, it's April, so clear your diaries, get the time booked off, because that's what I'm doing. And, uh, well, anyway, that news just coming in from Kensington Palace. Simon McCoy, obviously not a fan of the royal family, and obviously deciding that uh, the rubbish that they give him to read is not the kind of thing he wants to read out. You can always spot the cynicism, can't you, in his voice. It's a case, well, clear your diaries. I know I will be. And uh, because it's a case, who cares? Woman gives birth to baby. You know, unless you were the one that got her pregnant, why would you care about it? It doesn't make any difference, does it? You know, so she's having a baby. Well, well done you. You know, that's brilliant, isn't it? Very excited. But the paper, the papers are very excited. Why? Because come April, at least they'll have pages and pages and pages to devote to Woman Gives Birth. And that's all it comes down to. OK Magazine will have to rehash something because they don't give interviews. And, uh, and everybody else will be going really excited, going, wow, she's having a baby. And other people will be going, yeah, and what else do they do? They go out, they shake hands, they have a little bit of food and they have a picture taken with somebody. Yesterday it was Paddington Bear. I wonder if Paddington Bear spoke to her and said, so you're pregnant? just to see what, what would happen. I don't know. I was just, I'm, I'm kind of with him a little bit. I quite like the cynicism. I'm surprised, actually, that nobody's actually complained to the BBC, but, of course, as nobody watches him, that's probably the first you've heard of it with me telling you. The, the Daily Mail are a little bit upset, but they would be because they, you know, hunt, shooting and fishing and all the rest of it. But, uh, but no, nobody else sees it. The only people who are watching it are the people working on the shows. 
And somebody always said, oh, can you do this as a thing? She's confirmed she's having the baby in April. Yeah. See, I'd be more interested to doorstep Prince Harry. When are you getting married? Why are you faffing around? Come on, tell us. She's told us in an interview. Are you not allowed to talk about it, dear? Come on, tell us. That's all people want to know. Is he going out with her? She said yes, but I mean, she might be fibbing. Who knows? She's given up her job on Suits. But I don't know anybody who's ever watched the blooming thing. That doesn't make any difference. And then you think to yourself, why has nobody ever asked him? They get to see Harry all over the place. We know he's doing his little charity bit where he goes out and he gets photographed with, you know, children or somebody playing football or something like that. It's great. Why has nobody said to him, so when are you going to announce an engagement? Is it going to be Christmas? Or do you think he just said, I don't want to talk about it? And you think, you know, having sort of told us all off for sort of harassing her and asking about it, she then goes and does an interview with a magazine. So either they're going to get engaged or she's just a little bit of fluff on the side for him and he'll find somebody else. I don't know why nobody's ever asked him. Must be a right bunch of old wussy journalists out there at the moment who can't even ask Harry, you know, a simple question. Are you going to get married to her? You know, you can understand it if he found another bloke or something like that. And they go, so uh, are you going out with Brian? You know, then you could understand Harry and Brian. You. That's kind of happening. Not. But, you know, it's a girly he's going out with. Yet, by the law of averages, there must be some gay people within the royal family, mustn't there? There's got to be some. I know I thought of one immediately, the same as the rest of you. But, uh, you know. (laughs) What Prince Philip chooses to do is his business. But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) Joke. But, you know, I just don't know why nobody can ask him. It's almost as if they're they're sort of frightened about it. Uh, Front page of the the Guardian, the joy of eggs. (laughs) No, thank you. The only good egg is a hard-boiled egg. I don't do soft, squidgy eggs, I'm afraid. Anything like that. Uh, the MI5 chief, the UK terror threat, the highest ever. Agency's head says dramatic rise in activity means attacks are inevitable. Riveting. That's what we need. Because we've got, you've got to be on your guard. You really have. And especially at, um, at Christmas time. Because they're going to try and put in all sorts of things in place for the Christmas market. Jennifer Lawrence telling of a, a nude audition... I mean, I'm almost sort of thinking, do they really do nude auditions nowadays? Do they really do that? It's like sort of people say, oh, I I couldn't do nudity. Actresses especially, you know, unless it's tasteful. And you go, well, it's just nudity, isn't it? It's it's not really whether it's tasteful or not. What do you mean? Whether you've got a feather boa draped over your boobs. I don't know what's tasteful nudity. You're either naked or you're not naked. Uh, They've also got uh, the fall of Raga, because uh, we seem to have done quite, uh, quite well there. With uh, we're getting that one sorted out. The Times cabinet split over May's plans for freeze on university fees. Hour in the bath each morning. How an MP begins work. Tim Loughton, MP for East Worthing and Shoreham, says one of the greatest causes of stress in the world was the invention of the shower. So he thinks you should sit in a bath for an hour. What for? Why can't you sit in a shower? I've got a chair in the shower. Well, it's not actually a chair. It's like a proper shower stool. I think that's quite nice. Oh, look. Picture of um, picture of where to get the best trench coats. Remember trench coats? They used to wear them a lot in the lower low. But uh, probably nobody's talking about that at all. The traffic jam cost rises to £9 billion a year. Cut motorway closure times. Say so Every time I get on a motorway, every time I get on a motorway, without a word of a lie, it's a case of, you know, slow down 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. And you see the big flashing signs over the motorway, 40 miles an hour. And then so we all slow down and we slow down because we think there's something up it. No, it's called traffic calming. They've lied. They've lied. There is no accident. There is no, no nothing at all. So when you actually get to the place where you think 
the traffic hold-up would be. There's nothing there. Absolutely nothing there at all. It really, really annoys me. Uh, the story of the police riding the fairground rides makes a few of the papers today. What is this? Sloppy journalism. Although they managed to find in the, uh, in the Times this morning, which is very inventive, not only finding them on the Dodgems, but they went on the, um, the carousel with the horses on, which is quite... They were just taking a break for a few minutes. That's all it was. And so somebody took a picture, and now they're all up in arms going, oh, it's dreadful, the police are stretched, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and um, there's one here, a repentant white supremacist. Uh, his name is Kevin Wilshaw. He's held Nazi beliefs since he was a teenager. He's come out uh, yesterday to tell people that he's gay, Jewish and wrong. Unbelievable. There you go. That's changed your day today, I should imagine. Changed your day. Nothing will ever be the same. So I think we covered all of it today. I didn't get round to telling you about, um, about the former person who's on the television whose boyfriend is, uh, is currently um, answering questions. Her name's Fern McCann. She's done this interview with a newspaper and some columnist has said, why don't you just shut up? Nobody cares. Nobody really cares. Uh, don't give up your seat for elderly people on the buses or coaches or trains or anything else because they need the exercise. Because sometimes you get people and they say, I mean, I do it sometimes. I sort of cling on to the, the pole and everything else. I've, and people, nobody gives me their seat. Somebody did a short while ago. I said, no, I'm fine. Because sometimes you offer your seat to an elderly person and they go, no, I'm all right. And you think, gosh, I've never offered. And now the experts, it's not me, the experts are saying, don't give up your seat to elderly people because they need as much exercise as they can get. Uh, the lotto rollover, 10 draws, no jackpot winner. Bit of a shame, isn't it, really? Uh, the porn supremacy, this is uh, pawn shops offering, offering better exchange rates than brokers. Uh, also, you have to check not to get drunk in front of your children because it apparently can traumatise them. Uh, the direct flights to Taiwan. It's amazing how many people have written to me about Taiwan, saying what a what a nice place. Uh, Dewey Phillips was the Memphis DJ who played Elvis's first record. That's all right, Mama. And uh, Steve, I'm very good at sign language, especially when I see somebody using their mobile phone when they're driving. Yes, that's uh, that's a that's a big no no as far as we're uh, concerned. Who killed Crime Watch? You did. You've stopped watching it, uh, but people are now up in arms over it, saying, oh, we shouldn't have, you know, this programme taken away from us. Well, if you'd spent more time watching it, it would be a lot better. Uh, also, Daisy Lowe, she's aware of lesbian rumours. Sorry to mention the L word at this time of the morning. I realise a little bit upsetting for everybody, including little Louise. Uh, also, the best picture I've ever seen is in the mirror today. The underworld picture is of an iceberg. It is huge. It is absolutely massive. And the couple who avoided jail for sex in a pizza shop, um, as I say, both near-do-wells, both look as though they're prime candidates for something. Like what? I can't imagine. But anyway, apparently they felt deeply ashamed. Yeah, they look it. They look it. That's it for this morning. Thank you. There's now another reason to download the LBC iPhone app. As well as listening to LBC, wherever you are, you can now listen back to this and all of our other programmes from last week for free on the new catch-up feature. Download the LBC iPhone app. Click on catch-up at the bottom. Simple as that. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Back with you tomorrow morning. At 10, it's James O'Brien, but right now on LBC. With breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.